Blog Talk Radio. Last couple months, 
have some pretty damn good fights um, on the schedule. I'll, I'll have to say that. Um, right now, I would say, you know, the zone's leading the way um, as far as, you know, the last couple months. Was it three months? God, it's already October, man. A couple days into it. Um, they have the best schedule on paper right now. That's for sure. We'll see, you know, what fights um, the PBC and, and, and top rank come up with, among other fights out there. But um, then, you know, like I said, we'll definitely talk about this week. And I think tomorrow we have another Pro Box TV Wednesday night. You should definitely check that out. Those are usually fairly interesting. Um, and we did have a cruiserweight fight. Well, I mean, there wasn't much in that. Um, not much at all, actually. Um, so we'll get into it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Rope It Up Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope It Radio. It usually is ready by Tuesday night on archive. Um, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Up. Um, it'd be great if you do and download the show. But if not, that's cool. You can find the Rope It Up Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You can download the podcast app, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and a host of other platforms. Uh, while you're at it, I want to head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Phil Boxing and Eastside Boxing. And one more thing, kick off football season with DirecTV Stream. Get the DirecTV uh, Sports Pack, which brings you the NFL Network, NFL Red Zone, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, and more. No annual contracts or hidden fees. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on DirecTV Stream. Hold on. Find the, the right package for you. Once again, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. For a limited time, it starts at $64.99. So keep an eye out for that. That usually will change here in the coming days. So move on it while you can. That's DirecTV Stream. Okay, so obviously, you know, the main event, you know, if they would have flipped this card around, right, and had the first opening fight as the main event, I think we'd walk away from this thing, you know, a whole lot differently, you know. We'd be all pumped up and this, that, and the third. Um, but that's not how it goes. Um, and to be fair, you know, main events um, on pay-per-view at times can be hit or miss sometimes. They're great and everything's, you know, phenomenal. It's just a great fight and whatnot. Sometimes it can be just a one-sided fight. We got that with Pacquiao and Mayweather, not just the actual fight, but there were fights like uh, uh, Brandon Rios and Algieri, uh, the third Bradley fight, really all the Bradley fights, but especially the third one we really didn't need. Um, that's on the Pacquiao side. On the Mayweather side, Guerrero and Birdo. And, you know, it, it happens. It happens. In fact, if you look back maybe the last 15-plus years on pay-per-view, especially for the ones that have names, if you're an elite-level fighter, you do end up like 10-2, and a lot, of, a lot of fighters are knocking them out. So it's not so much that. It's just how the fight played out. Um, or didn't play out, you know what I mean? I, I guess you could say that too, because it was, it was disappointing, you know. Um, when I saw, you know, Charlo came out, I, mean, I figured the first round would be fairly slow, um, but 
to me, it was pretty evident that Charlo wasn't jabbing enough just right off the bat. Um, and by the second and third round, Charlo was already allowing him to load up on hooks, you know? Um, he needs to just jab more and reset and do some of the stuff, you know, that we talked about how that would, that's how he would have success, you know, success. Um, yeah, and even like in the third and fourth round, you started to see him land something, but it was just way too much defense, way too much on the move. And if you haven't won a round after the first three rounds, that makes it tough to win a fight because the first three rounds or so with Canelo, you can win some rounds off him. He usually finds his groove in the middle. And then, you know, at the tail end of the fight, there are some times where maybe in a round or two or whatever that, you know, his pace just slows down. We've seen it, you know, a fair amount of times over the years. Um, and that wasn't the case, though. Charlo, lead or counter left hooks, back-to-back left hooks by uh, Charlo in the round. But Canelo, even if he didn't have a really busy round, and he wasn't that busy either, although it was harder, you know, for him to be busy because he did have a guy kind of not trying to win. Um, he just planned the thudding shots. I think in the fifth round, that was a close round, you know, saw Charlo jabbing more anyway, landed a couple pot shots. Um, you know, he closed with a couple of few nice shots that were, like, meaningful in the fifth round. But that, that by the fifth round, that's the first time he can be like, wow, those were good shots, you know. And didn't even mean he won the round for sure um, because, you know, Canelo had left hooks. He had his jab going. He, he was working the body the whole fight. Sixth round, you know, a couple of moments of two-way, but Canelo landed the heavier shots. Then we got to the seventh, and, you know, left hooks um, did did some damage. A big right hand, huge right hand, um, you know, made Charlo take a knee. He even said, you know, it's the first time he was that shook up in a fight. And... I don't know. It's like I understand going into survival mode once you're hurt. That's totally, especially at a going up in weight class against a guy that can punch. Like surviving, you know, going into survival mode once you're hurt, that's, like I said, that's completely understandable. But when you're not really trying to win many rounds, um, when you're kind of in survival mode, you can kind of tell after the fight um, – you know, that he was he was smiling. Now, some of that could have just been him trying to keep his head up, him trying to – him being embarrassed. Some people will put their head down. They won't do interviews. They'll make excuses, all this other stuff. Some people will try to play it off. And that's honestly when I think Charlo goes home, though, I, I, I think it will bug him. Eventually, if it doesn't bug him now, I think it eventually it will because – just the the negativity around his performance. Although he didn't show it, I I bet you he actually did feel it, and he was just trying to play it off. He was trying to act like, hey man, you know, he, he was just too smiley after the fight. You know what I mean? Um, on one hand, it was that. Right now, on the other hand, there are times where people take it too hard, and, and we see fighters cry and complain, and and and. and just, 
say a bunch of stuff after the fight that they don't need to say, but hey, at least they care. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, he was just too nonchalant. There was only little moments of success. It's funny because after he got knocked down and hurt, then he actually had these little pockets of success in a couple rounds. Now, I'm not saying you got to give him, you know, two or three rounds after the seventh. No, I'm not saying that, but it was almost like he was like, well, I really got to keep him off me now, you know? Um, and so the success that I talk about was just minute, really. Not not nothing, minuscule. minuscule. Um, you look at the ninth round, big uppercut, the flurry after that. Uh, looked like he was buzzed in. Um, these lead left hooks once in a while, um, he would land kind of to keep him honest a little bit, <laughs> you know? But I don't know. Like I said, some two-way moments here and there. Uh, but, again, he just he didn't land anything of note. He wasn't trying to score points to win the fight. He just, It looked like he showed up for a paycheck. And, obviously, looking on the outside, you know, it, it is easy for us to say, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Do that? And, and, and sometimes what people – from a fighter is like, all right, dude, you know, you don't fight, so you wouldn't do that. But it's a brutal sport, dude, and it is what it is. This is how it goes. If you put up a a non-performance like that, you're going to get a lot of grief, dude. Now, I'm not going to sit there and, like, forget about your 54 run. I mean, to me, Jermel Charlo's already a Hall of Fame, and some people won't like that. That's fine. Um... Some people are saying they don't want to see him in the ring again. Um, I think that's nonsense. But, yeah, this honestly, when this happens in boxing, like I said, it's a brutal fucking sport. And, yes, it is easy for us to be on the sidelines. But it just – and say a bunch of stuff. It, it was pretty evident. We've just seen so many Charlo fights that it was like, dude, that wasn't you, you know. And, like I said – I think if you're trying to win rounds, you're trying to score points, at times he'd land a big left hand, then he'd be like, all right, dude, follow up. Or he'd use a jab, you know, and land a jab, jab, and then a nice shot. And then he wouldn't follow up at all. And, and when you do that, it is going to – you're going to have to go back to 54 or, or, you know, he says 54, maybe 60 eventually. But he's going to have to get right back in the mix and kind of, you know, fight the winner. I mean, obviously – you know, Crawford's already saying he doesn't want that fight, but I wouldn't take that all the way off the table. Um, but because it's not like they're for sure going to make Crawford. I don't know how much in a hurry they're going to be to make Crawford Canelo either. You know what I mean? So I don't know. My point is, though, you're just going to have to get back in the mix. And Mendoza, Tim Zhu, which is – not this weekend, but next, get the winner of that, get it going again, you know, become, I guess, undisputed again because he doesn't have his WBO belt or whatever, but he is the lineal. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to forget what he did as a fighter so far, but it's, I think it's fair of folks to be like, dude, what the fuck was that? You showed up for a paycheck and we just never seen that from him. Um, some people are talking about other 
showing up for, for the bread type performances. Usually that happens when you're on your last fight or two or something like that. Then it's a little bit more excusable, you know, but some people are bringing up um, Mikey Garcia and Spence. Yes and no. I mean, the thing about that is he took a lot, Mikey took a lot more punishment. I mean, in that fight, if you just look at punches thrown, I mean, he took a lot more punishment than than Charlo did. I mean, that's just I don't know. I I I, I don't know. This this one, I'd say like especially on pay per view. What was the the one that comes to mind? And I don't. I would say Canelo Chavez Jr. Because Chavez Jr. and I hate putting Chavez Jr. and Charlo in the same sentence, but I think it kind of fits in this sense. Now, as a fighter in general, no way, no how. You know, Jamel Charles is way better. But we, like I said, we've seen him be down on the cards. We've seen him lose a fight and come back. We've seen him, you know, be getting tagged in a fight and end up knocking him out. I mean, his first ever title he won back in, what was that, 2016? Something like that on that. I think it was a triple header, all championship fights. I think Lara was it Lara and Marta Rosian? Anyway, like, he was down on the cards against Jackson. He had to knock him out to win, and he did. I mean, he's done this so many times that people have, like, a built-up expectation for you, and you just missed it. You just completely missed it, man. And, like I said, I think a lot of that um, – I don't know. I think a lot of that was – I think a lot of that after stuff, like in the press conference, he acted like it didn't bug him. And, you know, I can understand people think, well, it didn't bug him because he just showed up for the money. That's cool. I think eventually, though, it'll fuck with him. He can't be happy at the end of the day. Um, I think it was just like his pride. Like, I think the pride will catch up to him. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I get it. I mean, he, he did seem pretty happy to go the distance. And like I said, a lot of times, folks sitting on the sidelines, that comes across as not fair, but we've just seen so many examples. Like, if you look at, like, the Dare to Be Great, uh, Dare to Be Great fights, right, in the last chunk of years, like, like Kel Brook Golovkin. I mean, Kel Brook went for it. Now, he got, you know, fucked up, but he went for it. He landed some real punches. I mean, he... He damn near raised Golovkin off the canvas with one of those, I think it was the uppercut, right? Um, so he went for it. He went for it, right? And and even, you know, like, what, a month and a half ago, two months ago now, um, Spence, when it, I mean, talk about going out on your shield, you know? Um, and that's the thing. I understand. You jumped up in weight class. I get that. You knew that. You signed the paper knowing that. And when you don't have, when you have like a, that much of a non-effort in the opening rounds, when that's like your best chance, then and late, you're going to get some grief, dude. There's just no way around it, you know? Now, do I think, like I said, are some folks going over the top? Yeah, that's just for like boxing Twitter, dude. You know, they're going to say, get him off my TV. I never want to see him again. Um, saying all sorts of shit, you know? Um, like, I mean, I, I heard people that picked him or leaned to him now are saying, oh, you know, 
Heyman moved him softly, and they never have adversity, barely at all. And, you know, kind of go with the narrative thing. And it's like, well, why'd you pick him then? How can you sit there and pick Charlo and then turn right around and say, oh, he didn't have a tough run. You know, he's just a built-up champion. He didn't, he didn't have adversity, expect, ex, you know, except a couple times, but not as a, not as a prospect. It's like, dude, as a prospect, Jermel Charlo was moved steadily. Go look at his resume. He fought solid dudes, you know, from prospect to contender to contender to champion. And like I said, his first whatever you want to say belt at 54, he was down way on the card. He had to knock out Jackson. So, you know, I don't career now. I mean, we can look at stuff like, well, I mean, the one that really stands out is, you know, Roberto Duran, you know, having already beat Sugar Ray Leonard the first time and then not getting badly hurt or anything like that or knocked down a bunch of times. He just quit standing up, just quit, threw in the towel like I'm done, right? And a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, man, if he had, you know, Twitter was around, he'd be getting killed. Trust me, Duran was getting killed. <laughs> you know what I mean? He got killed on a mainstream level more than what Twitter can do for him. Like, because, you know, that, that fight, Sugar Ray Leonard, Duran, that was a very popular fight. Duran, after he beat a very popular Leonard, he was a darling there for a second. So, and, you know, he made it, he made it through that. So, what, is it cool in 100%, you know, the right thing to do is, is to criticize Jermel for that performance? Oh, hell yeah. You know, like I said, when you don't show up to win rounds, I don't know what to tell you. You know, but like I said, I'm not going to now discount his whole career. You know, he earned, uh, you know, his undisputed stuff. He earned the lineal. Forget undisputed. He, he earned that lineal title. Okay. So I'm not going to forget about that. Right. I'm just not. But like I said, the, the way he fought at 54, he just kept rising our expectations. And when your expectation is now to try to win the round by scoring points and jabbing and, and, and at least throwing combinations, I, you know, there's not much you can say. It, like I said, it, it felt like he was like, I'm good. I got the paycheck. I'm good. And there's just really no way around it. It was a non-effort. Like I said, it's so much easier to accept and, and to be like – and have like some feelings of like, all right, dude, you know, I get it, man. Like once you get hurt, if, you, if we see you get hurt and then you go into survival mode, I get it, dude. I get that part, you know. I totally get it. But it's like we didn't – you were already in I'm going to try to make it the distance before you even got punched, barely, you know. So, like I said, I'm not going to sit there and discount you. I'm not going to, you know, do that. But in the same breath, there's just no way around it. Like, it is what it is. You put up a, a, a very poor effort. Um, I, I mean, even when you look at some of these – numbers it's just it's it's mind-boggling and, and like i said i heard timothy bradley say you should blame canelo on this one don't blame blame charlo because he wasn't going for the knockout but 
I mean, the only point he said he didn't throw many punches. Yeah, that's true. He only threw 385. Charlo threw 398. A 12-round fight under 400 punches that you actually go 12 rounds, that is really low. I get that part. But 134 to 71, he landed at a 35% clip. He out-jabbed him. I mean, you could tell when Canelo was on his jab, like I said, he went to the body a lot, 42 to 11. But, I mean, look at the look at the punches landed. Well, both of them only landed one in the first round. But even jab, I mean, one land first round. Second round, one, one land. Three, like, he started picking it up. Like I said, in the fifth round, I gave him credit. Like, that's probably, that might be the only round you can give him, you know? Um, but it just, like I said, you know, he fought a little bit better after he got knocked down. Um, but it was more like, well, I got to keep him off me now. So I am going to do, I am going to do something here, you know, but like I said, he'd land a good jab or land a big left hand. And then it'd be like, all right, dude, no follow up whatsoever. What, what's going on here? You know? So it was very disappointing. And the last, what, three or four rounds, something like that, um, of the Ramos Lubin. So to the last couple rounds and then that fight, it did kind of just, you know, run its course. It was like, okay, I'm glad there was college football that night because I got to see a lot of great games down the stretch on DVR and that type of thing. But like I said, if you flip this card around um, in the first fight was the main event, I think people would be like, yes, dude. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Charlo just, there's no way around it, man. He disappointed. He disappointed. It just wasn't It wasn't him. And like I said, I mean, the only one I can remember at this level, because there, and remember, we're talking about levels. We're talking about on pay-per-view. Every year, you could point out multiple fighters going, he showed up for a check, he showed up for a check, you know, that type of thing. Or they're just, they're like, you know, I, I've, I've won some rounds. I'm not going to do anything. Who was the dude that, Inuages spot. He showed up for a check. I mean, he didn't do shit. You know, the, the, we see that all the time. The problem is when you do it against Canelo and you do it at a gate that's 20 million plus, you know, like, and you got this attention on you, and then this is what you do, you can't really get mad at, at, at fans, you know, and, and especially when you're all smiles after the fight and your face doesn't even look fucked up. I know it's, it's a brutal sport. It's a brutal fucking sport. It is what it is. Um, you know, that's it. Like I said, I'm not going to race the pass with him. I, I refuse to do that. But you got to get back in the ring. In the next, whenever you're going to get in the ring, the next six months or whatever, you got to go back, win, take on Tim Zhu, Mendoza winner, and, and get right back to it and get this bad taste out of our mouths. That's just what you're going to have to do. You know, you're going to have to get back on the horse because you barely even got bucked off the horse because, like I said, in the whole Timothy Bradley blame Canelo, I mean, when do we ever know Canelo just to spaz out on someone and knock him out? Even when he has people hurt, he usually takes his time anyway. So these, this whole blame Canelo thing, and maybe that just Timothy Bradley, you know, 
wanting to be on the edge saying something because he has said some silly stuff like every day of the week and twice on Sundays, uh, Crawford would beat Floyd. Like it's an easy fight or something. Like I said, I'm not saying Canelo, I mean, under 400 punches, sure. That is, he could have, he could have upped his combinations and all that, but you pretty much knew right away. Anyway, I'm going to stop complaining. We'll get into some of this undercard. We'll get into <coughs> Lee Wood, uh, Warrington and, uh, Zerto Ramirez, Joe Smith Jr., a couple other items, Benavides, Andre, a done deal, Ryan Garcia uh, coming back. Um, so we'll get into that stuff. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John into the fold here. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how's it going? Not bad, man. Not bad at all. Just trying to enjoy these uh, this last four days. We've been in the 80s, and actually one of the days we were like 92. We've been setting... I don't know what it was today as far as a record, but we've set heat records the last three days. Um, I mean, it's, it's crazy in October to have a day of 92. That's that's really almost impossible in Minnesota, you know? Yeah, well, it's actually even more on my radar screen, Chris, than it would be because – I was going to say. As you know, yep. I'm a big runner, and, and the big talk mm-hmm. around the – controversial talk around the running community yep. is that the, uh, the Twin Cities – marathon got canceled because right. of heat and uh yep. you know i, I kind of understand where they're coming from but you know runners hardcore and marathoners used to adjusting to the conditions you don't really you don't right. want anybody to get hurt or you know e- even die but on the other hand you're used to adjusting to these these conditions and it yeah. would be really tough but runners are used to those types of things so it's Kind of surprising how big of a story it is in that sense. At least in the at least in the running world, there's uh, all, all kinds of debates going on about you know. Yeah, it's a big story this. here. I was okay. going to follow up on that because I know you're uh, you know I know your interest in how many you know you run marathons and all that. I was going to follow up and ask you because I thought that too. Like, well, they gotta. They, it's not like if it's going to be four or five days of. Uh, crazy heat it's like you're not going to stop all your training you still got to train and stuff like that so where, where do you stand on that yeah i usually don't like going over the top i i like uh people to be safe and get too hardcore i was a little bit leaning towards like i i would have wanted i know if i was up there and i did all my training like you said you start seeing when things might yeah. be coming and getting ready and and you you, you train into heat, and, and you know, I had kind of had a, a bit of one of those. Uh, I was running the Athens, Ohio Marathon, where Ohio University is, in April, and an unseasonably warm day came in that day that wasn't expected, so we really didn't have any training for it, and it was it hit about 76, 77, and I did have quite a bit of trouble. I'm usually pretty good in the heat, but I, I did have quite a bit of trouble, but you know, I, I never thought like, oh, this should this should have gotten canceled or, right, yeah, or something yeah, right. like that. And I wasn't handling it all that good. And there was a guy I was running with in it who who said he had run Austin, and 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 this particular day in Ohio was was higher than we get when he had, hotter when than when he had run Austin, Texas is. But you know, I, I'd hate to go hardcore then and and have somebody die or you know need serious medical attention, but usually runners are kind of getting ready for things as they're coming up or things like that. And you're all coming off the summer uh, training, even in Minnesota and, and, you know, big marathons like that. People come in from other areas. 
I, I, that's I, the I thing too. That you travel yeah. in and then you yep. it gets canceled. I, I felt I kind of was like, wow, that would suck, you know. Yeah, those big marathons like that, you're getting hotel, and I'm running in Atlantic City on the 22nd, and yeah, I've got all my arrangements. I, I like that one, and uh, like the city, of course, city's got boxing history, uh, and it's it's on the boardwalk by the ocean, flat, and you know, being from Jersey, I I like that one, but um, right. yeah, you know, you I like planning, you know, with the, you know, they're trying to get it where it's a little cooler in the mornings, but you know, you, you have those days where it can just be hot. I wouldn't have been happy if I was there and it got canceled, uh, but I'm sure they were trying to do the right thing. But yeah, that's I guess it's a big story. In Minnesota it certainly hit nationally. It is. all over all over runner stuff. Runners World's already had a couple of articles posted up about it, and I'm going to have to get even a little more into the pros and cons. You kind of know generally, but see even a little more what they were thinking. But yeah, I was yeah. surprised just. Can't just canceling it because you're, you know, you can get weird weather conditions. I mean, sometimes it gets cold and we get right. rain and all and that you can see it on your phone and, and, you know, like, Hey, it's coming. Right. I'll just extra hydrate, you know, like, I don't know. It just felt, I do think some people, because Minneapolis in the last chunk of years has been a big political thing too, to where people love to rip the city too. And I think <laughs> people right. are piling on on that. So I think that's nonsense. But it doesn't mean I uh, I don't I don't agree with them, you know, pulling the plug on it. I, I, but I did notice that online. You saw a lot of people piling on, especially locally. You're like, dude, you're just saying that because of politics. Shut the f up, you know. But um, yeah, but yeah, you know, as far as competitors, in, in theory, you know, you could caution people to slow up. You know, of course, you can't make them listen, but. You know, right. it'd be the same type of thing. I mean, you're you're just canceling the whole thing. I mean, you know, yeah. you could, you know, you know, sometimes you're in that situation. Yeah, you just know you're not going to be able to run the same kind of pace where you get into that kind of heat. Um, right. I don't know. I, I say it was it was 83 when I went up went up there today. So you get used to it. You know, marathons longer. But I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they were trying to trying to do the right thing, but. Yeah, I, I slant a little bit towards. I wouldn't be too happy having a cancel in that situation, yeah. but I don't. Yeah, I don't want anybody get hurt or killed either. So, you know, it's it's an interesting debate. Has there ever been? And if people want to know why we're talking about, well, you saw the people saw the main event on Saturday night. Okay, so that's why we're talking about this because really, there's not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to the main event. But real quick, um, so has there ever been one that it started? And then the heat was so crazy that people were starting to pass out and faint that they canceled it during it. Because I was wondering, is that an option that, hey, we're actually seeing people faint. People are struggling. We're going to call it off. I mean, could they even – is that possible? Because that would be even more of a buzzkill, I suppose, if you've already started it and they're like, now we got to stop it. I mean – I don't know. Right. Have people out there, to, and then you got to get them back and everything. That's probably what they didn't want to do. I, I don't, right. I'm not uh, going to yeah. say it's never happened. I, I, don't, I don't know of one myself. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, I've, over all the years, although really just hardcore marathoning with everybody doing it, of course, you know, it was an Olympic event long before that. But kind of generally when you had kind of the first running boom like that where, with, like, quote-unquote, everybody getting involved and stuff uh, – you're probably talking like more of it to me, like a, you know, a 50 yearish type history. So, um, 
I, yeah, I'd be looking you know, in, in those times. I, I don't I don't know of one. I can't say it hasn't happened. I know in Boston. It would have to be like a hailstorm or something. You know what I mean? Like something where well, you that's could what physically I was get, get hurt. Because I, I knew I had a lot of friends that were in it. I, I'm thinking it was probably set maybe seven or eight years ago. Boston got just what what you actually just threw out there, Chris. They cold, and of course that's the biggest. And there was like you know like like almost like a hailstorm, and everybody that was in that one got real slowed up and said it was absolutely miserable. But they had it, yeah. You know they, they, they did. Had it went through. Yeah, they did it, and everybody I know in, in that one, that they said it was just absolutely. You know, you know, like <laughs> it's always arguable, but I, but it's it, it is a good point if if you ever have to do athletics in it. There, there's arguably nothing worse than about like maybe like thir- thirty nine degrees with like a freezing rain for doing. Oh man, for doing yeah. Thing, you know, a driving freezing yep. rain bordering on hail. I had to pause. Mm-hmm. I remember my freshman year of football. We had one of those in 1979. I still remember it because it was that bad. Uh, I remember being right. in the locker room thinking, "I don't want. I really don't feel like going back yeah, exactly. out there. My <laughs> my hands hurt. You know, I'm right. in pain. You know, it's I'm so numb. cold. But <laughs> I'm numb. Yeah, made it through. But yeah, I, I probably, probably sounds whoopy. You're living in Minnesota, but. Uh, it just yeah it was, you know North Jersey was one of those kind of days anyway but yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting so yeah getting into the um, but yeah the, the fights this weekend you know like you're alluding to I guess I'm I'm the same field disappointment um, I, I not just because of this weekend I was thinking about it going in even though I was initially excited about this card and I, I still think on paper yeah you can always go hindsight but. I still thought, you know, it was good on paper, but you're you're talking, you know, eighty four ninety nine, eighty five bucks, and I'm actually not gonna fault anybody who their money out for for getting disgusted because you're getting hit with a lot of these, and really, when you're getting hit with them this much, and you know, not all of them are, are the biggest fights, uh, even as big as Canelo is, and you know, Jamel Charlo being accomplished. Uh, and has had has for this era pretty good exposure. Uh, you know, disappointment. I, I think it was for me maybe. I, I basically was agreeing with what you're saying, but I, I thought for the Jermel it was. And you know, really to me, the easiest thing to look at is the weight. But I'm glad you didn't get into that too much because that's the way I feel too. I mean, Canelo started at 154. You know, fought a big bulk of his career there. Charles was taller than I'm sure. I mean, he has been used to fighting at a higher weight, but for whatever that means, you know, it probably means something, but probably doesn't mean all that much considering where he started out and that he's shorter than Jermel Charlo. I think it was kind of like a, a, a style thing. Like, it, it it was almost in a bad way. Like, you know, if you've seen, you know, which we do, you know, like you said, you, you go back to the early Jermel Charlo, um, I hated watching the guy fight because he was so boring. Um, he, he would just, you know, he would win the fights, but, you know, he, he jabbed. He was real defensive. And it's funny you mention it because he didn't do that then. Like, he, he wasn't like a combination puncher. He, he, you know, he would just he would just jab, throw an occasional looping right hand and, you know, no power and, and just, you know, box his way to decisions. And, and I would, when he was coming up, I, I liked your mom. You know, you know, Jamal, I, I liked his style. It's funny, they're identical twins, but 
I like the way he fought with more power and then, you know, with, with being more active and then a jab and throwing the right hand. But that wasn't Jermel. And he, he went over to Derek James. And, you know, like I said, a lot of times, came to this puncher. He, he has, in all my time watching, he's the only guy I can think of making a transition to a puncher like that. But, you know, Chris, you know, I did say this when the fight was signed, even though I didn't mind it. And and this is part of what we saw Saturday night, and I think Jermel was looking at that going in. I mean, you know, Canelo's got the best chin in boxing. He's never been down. Um, so, you know, Jermel Charlo became a power puncher as his career went on. But, like, even if he was fighting Canelo at 154 pounds, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen someday. But when you're going into a fight and, and you're you're saying – my strategy has to be to hurt or knock out Canelo Alvarez. And I, I kind of even heard, like, some people talking like that before the fight. Like, not, not necessarily, like, knock out Canelo, but, like, that was going to be some, like, viable – like you said, even people picking him and stuff. Like, that that was going to be some kind of viable strategy for Jermel. And, and I said that from day one of this fight getting signed. I said, you know, there, there's, no, there's no Jermel Charlo – and I tweeted that out. You know, there, there's no Jamel Charlo hurting Canelo. And I was even surprised Jamel got hurt, believe it or not, because he's got a good chin too. And Canelo has, is not that aggressive, like you're saying, not at all. So he landed a good right hand. He got your Jamel to take a knee, but that was all there. So the fight, the fight, and as you correctly pointed out, Chris, too, I think, even though I've always been a big Canelo fan, I, I you know I like the guy. I think he's been good for boxing. I like you know I still like watching the guy fight. But getting to what you pointed out and then happened in this fight, I think what people are mistakenly taking from this fight, even though Canelo clearly won the fight, and Jermel Charlo was not even landing the effective punches Canelo was, it was a low volume fight. This fight ended, and Canelo clearly won. But people mistook. Canelo clearly winning with that, like Canelo was at some high punch rate. Canelo wasn't, Canelo wasn't at any high punch rate. He was at his usual, basically. Uh, really lower, yeah. too. You know? Probably lower, yeah. Because usually like, he's in at least in the 400s, you know. Yeah, landed like maybe the better punches, but like all this like then taking from this fight, to me it was more of a styles thing, like taking from it that like, well, Canelo, this is a rejuvenated Canelo and because he clearly won the fight. Not really. I mean, it was kind of the same Canelo. It's just I think it was a Jermel Charlo in a style matchup where – and this is the disappointing part, the way it played out. I, I think – because you don't always see this, but I think this might have been the case in this one. I don't know if it was just like showing up for check, but like more like Jermel – in his own analysis going in, especially, you know, I did tweet out before the fight, like the one way would be somehow, which is unlikely that Jermel Charlo could could be the old boxer Jermel Charlo, but turn up the volume because Canelo is all volume. And, you know, just have with the jab and maybe the right hands, like he used to do it a little more volume and, and pull out a decision. I didn't think he could do that with the layoff and it didn't happen. But I think what we saw was that Jermel himself kind of decided before the fight, like I can't, I can't pull that off, you know. And he knew he, he right. knew he couldn't hurt. 
not just because of the weight. It's Canelo. I mean, I mean, Golovkin. Yeah, and you can look. get gas too. You can, you, you know, you get gas, then you're in real trouble. Right, and 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 you know, look, I mean, this is what you're facing. This is where this is the part that people don't give Canelo enough credit. I mean, you know, Golovkin's power's for real. I always say that about Golovkin. Forget about the jab master stuff. The power's real, but the guy never hurt Canelo. I mean, the guy went the guy went 36 with Canelo and never hurt him. Yep. So, not even a know, little. I mean, not even a little. And you're not really getting a bigger puncher than that. Now, you know, some of that's because of Canelo's defense too. It's not only because of chin. But when you're not getting hurt like him, I mean, I've seen enough boxing. You know, that that's chin, and you know, really probably Floyd Mayweather didn't get enough credit. Like, as good as he was defensively, we only saw him get buckled the one time by Mosley in his entire career, and he fought top-level opposition. The chin had to be there, too. You know, that, that's where it gets to be both. You, you got a guy who's real tight defensively. I'm not saying Canelo's Floyd Mayweather, but he is very good defensively. And yeah, he takes stuff that, off the shot. You know, he does move his head to where it doesn't hit him fully, but – you're right. I mean, if you add up all the shots he took in those three fights, especially the first two, I mean, it is a wonder why it didn't even get buzzed, you know? Right. He's like a right. He's like a, a Duran or a Tony or a James Tony type like that. Right. It's right. It's with the move head rolling, but you know he he's good defensively like that, where you know he he rolls he rolls. You know he 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 moves the head enough, and you know he he's just. You know, he's never been down. He, he's never really been seriously hurt. And, you know, he went 36 with Golovkin. So, you know, J- Jermel Charlo, a guy who made an amazing transformation into a puncher, but that's still where, for me, it stopped. Like, he made an amazing transformation into a puncher, and, and he knocked out guys at 154 to his credit and became a more exciting fighter. But he, he, that, does, that that didn't translate to me into he's going to be the first guy to hurt Canelo or drop or drop him or get him into serious trouble. So it, it had to be where he was going to out-volume him. I didn't think he was going to out-defense him because he hadn't been boxing like that. He did a part in Castaño too, which was impressive to see him kind of mix his, his, his two styles during his career. But right. again, too much, too much to ask going up against Canelo, but even though it was a clear Canelo win, it wasn't a high volume performance. Um, and you know, you had the gate, like you said, Chris. But again, it's it's not that it's not that you don't want to make that money. And Vegas always would put out the site fees because they wanted people in town and then people at the gate. But sports are broadcast driven. You know, we're not hearing about you know even Spence Crawford. We didn't hear that much about the pay per view numbers after. I mean, it's not a concert tour. You know, it's not the it's not the Taylor Swift concert tour. They're not doing five nights. They're not doing five nights in a row in Vegas. The the Canelo Jamel Charlo show, and then they're going to L.A. and then they're going to Minneapolis, and then they're going to New York, and it's doing that gate every time every time they go there. You know, that's not the money making like formula here. So uh, I I think you know this isn't the only one, and and we are getting intriguing fights this year two of the big ones we wanted to see with Davis Garcia and Spence Crawford. But I think that's worth mentioning. Got him. But, but let's face it, we're here in early October and, and there's, there's, there's no general buzz for the sport in the mainstream. I think it does tie into what we saw Saturday night uh, because, you know, big event and Canelo, but 
nothing's crossing, you know, nothing's crossing over. Um, the la- the last now big broadcast outlet is really what Top Rank's doing on ES. You know, from U.S. terms, is what Top Rank's putting on ESPN. Uh, it's still there. That's good, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the plan is. Uh, believe it or not, I wouldn't mind it if they even just quote unquote for free or for the price of ESPN Plus. Uh, they they keep giving you fights like uh, you know Lopez Gonzalez and then they got a Jogbook Goodall coming up. I'm not saying these are the top of the sport or automatically barn burners, but it's it is you know we're, we're getting to where it's better than paying 84.99 and it's better than paying 240 a year for DAZN. I mean, you know Showtime's it does tie into this topic. I mean. Stephen Espinosa, you kind of had to go to the boxing news interview, which is you know the British equivalent of the ring, but goes back even farther to 1909. And they do have some real credible journalists still there. Uh, they use the transnational rankings that you know I'm on the board of that. They uh, you know have have some have some pretty good reporting. It, it seemed like Stephen Espinosa. I don't know if you saw that, Chris. He he did give them an interview, and it was candid, like. He was saying, you know, I, I think he just wanted to talk to somebody credible about it, but he was saying Showtime might be out. I mean, if Espinosa is saying it, um, the other thing I found interesting, he said he was asked, which the rumors are kind of legit, what, is it going to become a one-off pay-per-view thing, or will there, there still be some other outlet, you know, if they remain in, that has fights kind of leading up to the pay-per-view events and and he's been in it, of course, a long time, and he's the main man for Showtime. He he felt that you couldn't do boxing without having something leading up to the pay per view events. Um, I, believe it or not, I'm not I'm not sure about that anymore. With where we've gotten, that it's gotten like that already, to a certain degree. Um, but that's what he feels. So I guess the way I'm taking from that, if Showtime's out and you know Paramount CBS is staying in, that there's going to have to be something out there if they're going to put pay-per-view events on because they don't feel it is worthwhile without having, you know, a, a series that leads into it. So that seems to be where we stand, but it seems like that's up in the air. So, you know, they, you know, this, this is going on, but they could be out. So, but it, it, it's interesting with what's going on. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk about that subject. Um, Let's finish with that because uh, I do remember, was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you actually said that there's a potential that their part of doing business with PBC will just be the pay-per-view and hook it up the undercard type things, you know? So it's yeah, like, right. and, the, and, it's, and there has been reports of that too, that they'd actually yeah. handle the pay-per-views and then the, the rest of the stuff would be on something else. So, it's kind of, it's kind of all over the place um, because, you know, is Al right now looking for some place to land? Do they already have something? Is it Paramount Plus? You know, there's a lot that goes into that because uh, clearly there is some revenue and commodity there. It's just a matter of where that would be. Uh, but let's let's uh, let's get back in the ring. Um, so. Canelo said he's going to be back Cinco de Mayo, right? So right. Benavidez Andre, November 25th, they were talking Vegas or um, 
Texas. It sounds like it's a done deal for Texas. Um, I mean, is that the natural fight next? I mean, the winner of Benavidez, Andre, especially if it's Benavidez, obviously. I mean, we got to say that, you know what I mean? Because, you know, Andre doesn't necessarily bring too much to the table as a B-side, although beating Benavidez, it would be pretty big. But is that it? Because a lot of people now are kind of like, man, do we really? I mean, some people were like, I don't want to see the Crawford Canelo anyway. But now after this bad taste in their mouth, we're like, actually, I don't want to see it. You know, that, let that be the last fight of his deal or something and cash out or something like that. But, I mean, that feels like as long as Benavides is able, I'm not trying to discount Demetrius Andre because he has a style that is difficult to beat. Um, but that, it just feels like that has to be next. I'm leaning that way, too, for the same reasons you are, because it seems like where the deal, whether people like it or not, you know, for Canelo and for PBC might be most lucrative is I, I'm seeing the same thing you are. Like Canelo fight if if you know you know if uh, Benavidez gets past Andrade, then Canelo, you know, taking some risk there fights Benavidez, and uh, if he comes out with the win, you know, then then nobody's going to say oh he he fought a you know the hater types are, are not going to say oh he fought a smaller guy or or anything, he's avoiding somebody or anything like that. Of course, he's got to come away with the win, but I threw it out there already. I, even, and, and even though he discounted Crossford after this fight, I would then think that like, people want to like it or not like it, whatever. I, I still think it really would happen. Like I, I could then see the, the last fight of the deal being either Zoo or Crawford. I mean, let, let, you know, let, let's say Crawford you know, fence again in a rematch or something like that. Uh, let's say Zoo, because as you mentioned, Chris, when you were talking before I came on, I, I agree with you. I think it might happen, but I, I think you know, if I'm a Jermel Charlo at this point, for, if I'm managing him, believe it or not, I know you know he had all the you know he was undisputed at 154 lineal, but you know he's got it. The history of going back down after going up in weight legitimately is not good. There's a few exceptions, but it's not good. Um, I, I would think if, if you know middleweight's weak right now, uh, you know it is the traditional division. I, I think if, if I were managing him, you know, I, I just keep keep him keep him up in weight now. Uh, but I don't think necessarily he'll do that. I think he might try to squeeze back down to 154 and fight Zoo. And I, I always felt Jermel Charlo would win that fight. Uh, the farther back it was going to be, the more confident I felt in Jermel. But now, like, that would be then, by definition, to get that fight, Zoo would have had to get by Mendoza, uh, which he's got a good chance to do just because even though Mendoza really blasted Pandora out, and it was a great win. He he was just losing that entire fight before that. You, you have to keep that in mind in your analysis. So it, it's definitely a fight Zoo can win. So if let's say Zoo beats Mendoza, you're going a couple fights down the road, but he beats Mendoza, and then you know he, he fights a Charlo who's kind of drained in his mid-30s at this point, trying to come back down, and and he, he gets that win. You know, what if what if Canelo wanted to fight him in Australia or something like that, or or even Zoo's getting well known enough in the U.S. and just be a big fight. 
you know, it might happen. Zoo's already said he'd consider it. I don't blame the guy with that money. Why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, and then you're going to get people saying, oh, well, why should he be able to go up to 168 if Jermel couldn't do it and stuff? But they could probably still sell it at that point. Canelo will be getting older, too. Uh, but I'm with you. It's a three-fight deal. It does really seem to point to that Benavides is going to be that middle fight of the deal. And, and you know, Canelo's going to have to get by him, which isn't going to be an automatic at all. Uh, you know, Benavides has got a pretty good volume. I just don't know how he keeps making 168 and, and being relatively effective. It just does – that's one weight thing that I've said that repeatedly. It does seem to me that that would keep up – catch up to Benavides sooner or later, but pulled it off so far. So, I, you know, I, I guess if he can do it a little while longer. But, yeah, I think that that's the logical Cinco de Mayo fight uh, for Canelo. And then something like – a even though he said no about the Crawford after this fight, still maybe then a, a zoo or a Crawford. But I'm I'm with you. Like it would be, it would probably be hard to sell that fight coming right off what just happened with this Jermel Charlo fight, which wasn't inspirational. Right, and then uh, you know people speculated about well, it's going to be Jermel then Jamal, and from a marketing standpoint. I just don't see, John, a way to sell another Charlo fight because the casuals, they don't fucking know the difference, to be honest. They just don't. And even as prospects, us hardcores were having issues until they separated, you know, all the way uh, as far as 54 and 60. Then we, it was easy to tell or whatever, and, and we've known for quite some while, of course. But if you just were at a fight party and you saw that fight, You'd be like, dude, what? Is it part two? Wait, his brother? He's bigger? He's going to – it just – there's just no – the selling point is gone. Now, if it would have been like a competitive fight where you go, man, if, you know, if if, if this fight was that middleweight or something or, or, you know, something to do with the weight, like, oh, he gassed down the stretch, otherwise he was winning the fight or, you know, some kind of drama, some sort of controversy, some something. You know, something. And there just wasn't. There just wasn't anything. No. So I, there's no way they're going to spend those marketing dollars to put another Charlo against Canelo on the docket. I just I, – I understood people's thought process with that, like the potential for it, but I just don't see a way they're going to be able to sell that. Plus, plus it, it really is at a point now where Jamal's been off for too long. I mean, that, that, that hurts your marketability. Uh, your momentum, it hurts you in the ring. He, he's just he's just been off too long now. I mean, look, he was off too long where it couldn't come off this time. So uh, don't don't agree. Don't don't see that. And and right, it was mentioned, but don't see that as being marketable at all. So I, I think probably Benavidez, and then maybe something then a little more unusual like the Crawford or Zoo. Uh, both being big enough names at that point to figure that, yeah, even if people are thinking Canelo's got a, a major size advantage, that still it can be, still it can be sold. Um, one one thing you do have to say though, and look, I, I've liked both Charlos as, as fighters, especially like I said, I didn't like Jermel early in his career, but as he went on, but you do have to say when you're looking when you're talking about guys like. Crawford and Zoo, even though Crawford's getting into the, you know, the backside of 35, you don't picture either of them going in 
and like not doing anything. Um, you know, even though Crawford is multidimensional, like you, you feel like either of them would be in there. You know, maybe Zoom might get knocked. Zoom might get knocked out, but you'd be throwing throwing some punches, and you, you pick Crawford doing something. Um, so it, it might be different when you like we always say when you get the when you get the stench of this one out, you know, for a, a, a year or something like that. That that those two guys might be big enough because you know PBC's got to you know, with what they got to pay Canelo and everything, they, they've got to think of names that are big enough. I mean, we've talked about it. And, you know, I, look, you know, they, they get on other fighters. I, I'm getting on them a little bit because I think this is where the market kind of works. Like, you know, you know, B-Ball's boring. I mean, B-Ball is boring. He, he made no apologies for it, you know, in interviews, even in translation and everything. A win's a win, doesn't matter. Well, no, nobody wants to see him fight. So we're supposed to feel sorry for that, you know. That he 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 made that choice to not be entertaining. His victory over Canelo was not entertaining. I, you know, there's people that hate Canelo that, you know, you and I agree, Chris. They they keep showing that clip when when Beefall throws a a four punch combination and he misses three and hits him once, and they say, look at this, look at this punishment. He, look at this punishment he was dealing out. You know, he was he was battering Canelo. Well, you know, anybody right. that saw the fight and is being honest and and. Uh, those that will watch a fight, those, you know, you and I both said, did B-Ball won? Yeah, sure he won, but he, he wasn't dealing out punishment. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that dominant in the sense he, he definitely won, but he wasn't beating him up. It, it just wasn't that good of a fight. And so, now, look, Hearn can't sell the guy uh, against any, but, yeah, sure, guys don't want to fight him, but because he's also not bringing that much money. In other words, if people wanted to see Bivol that bad, you know, we know this because everybody wants to fight Canelo. Everybody, every, Floyd Mayweather was very difficult to fight, but everybody wanted to fight him because he was the money guy. So you can't say it's, it's that fighters won't get in with you just because you're difficult. They won't get in with you when you're difficult and you don't bring any money to the table. That's for sure. So uh, that's, that, that's Bivol's problem. And then, you know, Hearn's got to deal with it. I mean, Hearn had him. I, I always like bringing it up because everybody still likes to forget about it. Her, Hearn had him fighting underneath against Craig Richards underneath Campbell Hatton. So how 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 demand right. was it for people to how would demand was was it for people to see Dimitri Bivol? Even these people that claim to be purists, the guy was in the UK fighting Craig Richards below Campbell Hatton. He, he was on he was he was below the card. Campbell Hatton was fighting after him. So. What does that tell you? Just bringing it up with this, where you gotta you gotta have some entertainment value, and then TBC's got to figure out how to maximize the Canelo deal. But that's part of why Canelo's at PBC with with B, because what more what what marketability did Bivol have for that rematch? Even now, again, no, but nobody you know nobody's demanding they want to see him. Right. And then what about you know a Crawford Charlo fight? Is that does that do they both the, the, does Charlo need to fight Tim Zoo win and then people will be like all right we're ready to see that fight because you know I still think that's a really good fight it just it does become harder to sell now you know no that's a good point you, you know I, I keep saying Zoo but he, they could do it with Crawford instead I mean you know you, you don't have to worry about the alphabets like I always say I mean people really don't ultimately care so you know. People are going to still say, okay, you know, Jermel Charlo, 
he didn't lose that. You know, he didn't lose his title at 154 in the ring. So if Terrence Crawford, you know, fights him, that's going to matter. Yeah, I, I could see that too. I guess I was just thinking that, you know, PBC has been doing a good job at least, you know, getting zoo fights and using him, uh, even with the circumstance of him not getting the Charlo fight. So I thought they might want to go back to that, but it is possible right, they right. could. Yeah, they they could take. I think that I think that would be viable. I mean, they could they take they could take the Crawford route instead, but you know, Spence has got this rematch clause. Right. So yeah. Yeah. They gotta they gotta. And maybe that gotta would be out. after it. You know, maybe they could, uh, maybe that could happen. Charlo could fight Tim Sue, and then by the end of next year, that would be, you know, the winner fights each other or something. It's, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, moving on to the co-feature, you know, Jesus Ramos, the first round, slower round, no doubt. Um, you know, Lubin was jabbing on the outside. Um, I thought... Beyond, I thought Lubin won the first round, but then, you know, the from round two to round eight, beyond round four, I thought Ramos won those rounds fairly cleanly. Um, I, I liked how he was going to the body with quick little combinations with both hands. Um, he was jabbing to the head and body. You'd see um, Lubin at range jabbing. He'd land a cut like even in the third round. He, let, he landed a couple nice counter shots the last thirty seconds or so. Uh, but the fourth round, like I said, I thought that was really close because the left hand to the head and body started coming out a little bit along with the jab for Lubin. I thought Ramos closed a little stronger in that round, <clears throat> but I could see giving Lubin the fourth round. But like I said, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, I, I thought it was all Ramos. A uh, couple nice combos with the jab. Um, just overall, I thought he was just steadily beating them, landing the harder combinations, short inside punches. Um, you know, when he would get Lubin on the ropes, he would kind of go off on him, whereas when he was in the middle of the ring, you know, mainly that was where Lubin was having more success. Um, but the ninth round was a nice bounce back round for him. I did give him that round. And then, then thereafter... You know, uh, I'm not saying that they were all – like the 12th round I thought was actually more of a two-way round somewhat, but still pretty mediocre. Um, But I did give the 11th – or the 10th, 11th, 12th – or wait, 10th and 11th for sure to Lubin. 12th was a little bit more in between, but clearly Ramos took his foot off the gas. And it's just really weird to take your foot off the pedal – when you're actually kind of, you know, after the fight, he said, well, I was trying a couple things. It's like, well, you know, that's, that's for training camp. That's for sparring and stuff like that. You don't, like, of course you're going to work on stuff in camp and then try it in a fight. I get that. But when what you were doing was working so well where you weren't losing a ton of rounds through the first eight rounds, and I know as corner, I know a lot of people are like, hey, you got the lead, you're, you got it, no problem. They kind of – influenced them a little bit too. People are saying if this is open scoring, he'd know that he couldn't do that. Um, I really liked the first, what I saw as far as uh, winning fights without trying to overpower someone 
and just doing it with skill and winning. I really liked what I saw for the first eight rounds. And then, you know, he definitely showed his youth, his, some of his inexperience. Like I said, the corner has some to blame in there. But I just didn't see, like, no matter what, I thought Lubin closed pretty well, you know. But he wasn't overwhelming anybody or nothing like that. Um, and we could, I mean, the punch stats kind of bear that out as well. But the 9-3 to three car, that threw me off. You know, I, I I was like, that that's wild to me. Um, eight to four, I still didn't see eight to four to be honest with you. Um, I had it seven to five, as high as eight to four, uh, but I had it seven to five. Ramos, I, I thought I thought he won the fight, but I did think, especially here you are in the co-feature, and we know the opening bout doesn't have a lot of people. By the if the opening bout goes the full rounds, you start to see people trickling in. Second fight, same thing. By the end of the fight, you start to really see people trickling in. And then on the co-feature, if it's like a well-known co-feature like, uh, you know, Garcia Matias or whatever, that's different. Then you'll probably have a, a almost full arena. But in that co-feature, you generally see it really fill up during it. And so meaning the ninth through 12th round, it was starting to get full. And you'd think, man. You're on the Canelo undercard. You got everybody in the building. Um, they're cheering you. They're loving you. It was just a strange way to end that fight, and it kind of had me scratching my head. Now, on the, in the same breath, he is young. He is still learning. I'm willing to give him a break. And I didn't – another thing is, John, I didn't think he lost the fight. So I think – I'm critical of him for the way he closed the fight, but I didn't think he lost the fight, so I don't think it's some sort of major step back. But I, it, I was scratching my head a little bit going, wow, dude, you're really kind of giving these rounds away. And the funny thing is, Lubin wasn't doing a whole lot either when you look at the punch stats down the stretch. And, you know, we bring up punch stats here and there, and they are just a guide and all that. They're not – the end all be all we know that but when you look at it you're like huh didn't really you know neither guy really did a ton down the stretch and so I I was surprised that he lost the fight it's a great lesson to learn obviously you'd like to learn you know winning the fight but ultimately I think he can bounce back from this not just because of his youth but like I said I did have him win in the fight what were your thoughts on that because it just seemed like ninth 10th, 11th, like some of the championship rounds, he just wasn't doing the same stuff that got him there. It was a head-scratcher. Yeah, he, he won, I thought he won the fight, but the performance was disappointing. It added to the disappointing nature of the night for the most part. Ramos, one of the top up-and-coming guys we thought in, in, in boxing, ended up, you know, to a lot of people's surprise, but I thought he'd win the fight. I thought he did win, but, I mean, ended up being a minus 500 favorite. So, Lubin ended up being a significant underdog. You know, Lubin, even though he showed a ton of heart against Fondora, he did did get stopped, and that that was my fight of the year for that year. And he took a lot of punishment. You know, he got stopped by Jermel Charlo and won earlier, and hurt by Gaucher, who's not really a puncher. So, you know, we, we know he can be hit and hurt. His offensive skills have always been good. Um, we we did see 
you know, you and I remember talking about this at the time, Chris. You know, I was real high on Ramos. Then wasn't even though he's a difficult guy to fight. You know, Javier Molina, who's a pure boxer, made him made him look kind of unspectacular. Then you know, Mendoza ended up proving to be tougher than almost everybody expected, including myself. Um, you know, Ramos got a decision over him, and you know, Ra- Mendoza's got some skills and he's shown some pop recently. But too, even though you know Ramos clearly won it, but didn't get him out of there. You know, wasn't putting a lot of hurt on him. You know, those two fights back to back, and then I remember you and I talking a bit, like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe this guy's not quite as good as we thought he was. But you know, then he he got that he got a stoppage over Hernandez, who had had an upset. So that that was a pretty impressive look back on track. You know, then Santa Maria had again a little bit of one of those where, you know, guy boxing him a little bit, didn't get him out of there. But then, you know, he looked really good against Joey Spencer, and he hurt Joey Spencer real early. But it was it was with a bomb, and you know, Joey Spencer did come to fight that night. He was still throwing bombs at the end. So I, I thought that was a real impressive performance by Ramos. So. You thought then that Ramos was going to continue against Lubin, and you know I thought it was a good recipe. Then even though Lubin looked good in his last fight against Arias coming back, but Arias is a total non-puncher. So I thought, well, we can't really compare that with uh, Ramos. But I think then what it was is like you said, you know, Lubin, he's got some skills, doesn't necessarily fight that way all the time because he he gets hit and can be hurt, but he does have some skills and. And he's kind of going lower volume than usual in boxing. And, and you know, that, that seems to now, we, we see the trend where that's the type of guy that can get Ramos into a sleepwalk sometimes. And uh, as you, you know, detailed, that's what he got into as the fight went on. He gets kind of lulled into that sleepwalk. And I still thought he won it. But, for you know, not to discredit Erickson Lubin because he's shown a lot of heart in fights and he has good offense. You do have to worry about, what's coming back at you from him but still he, he's a guy at this stage Ramos should stop and uh, that was the big disappointment not not picking it up to get a stoppage or try to get a stoppage that that was a big that's a big disappointment for me in the spotlight like you described that Ramos was in and you know it ended up yes he I thought he should have gotten the decision but it was a setback to be in that spotlight and have a uh, relatively speaking, a disappointing performance like that. I, I think it. I think in that sense, it, it did set him back. So uh, that was definitely another disappointing part of the night. Yeah, like I said, I actually really liked some of the stuff he was doing because you know we know Lubin can be a little dangerous. We know he's got a hand speed. We know he's got a jab. We also know, like you said, he's chinny. So. I did like how he wasn't being overly careful at the start. I, I loved his jab. I loved how he mixed it to the head and body. I loved the short shots. Um, I, I felt like he, he had advantage when he was in the middle of the ring. So, he, you know, he was moving him to the ropes more and more. And like I said, through eight rounds, I thought, man, this is actually a very good performance. But, yeah, to not push the pace like that in that moment um, – like I said, he's young. He can bounce back from this, but yeah, I uh, and mostly because, like you said, 
he won the fight. So, in my mind, obviously, BoxRec disagrees. But, um, I don't know. Do you go right back to a rematch, or do you move on and, and possibly they'll meet pass again? I think if Ramos, if Ramos could get a rematch, this is one you'd want to get a rematch on and, and up the pace right from the beginning and try to get the stoppage. I, I would be thinking Ruben wouldn't want it, but, you know, he's kind of in a position, where does he go? I mean, if he's going to stay at, you know, 154 pounds, he's already been stopped by Charlo. He's been stopped by Fondora. Um, you know, you, you could maybe find a fight here or there, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I keep saying this for a lot of guys, but he would be, a, even with his chin, it would he would be a guy that it would apply to it because I think it's just so open. I mean, Middleweight, the traditional division, is, is just so open and so thin right now that, to me, that's that's an opening for anybody that's that's in that kind of situation like Lubin is. That, you know, you, you could you could uh, you could try your hand at middleweight. Uh, I'm not saying he will do it, but it, it would to me be a logical move. But yeah, rematch right. may, maybe because Ramos could could use washing this taste out. And, uh, you know, they could spin it as the decision being controversial. But I guess for Lubin, then it would just be, what you know, like any fight, ultimately, what, what's my paycheck? You know, if, if it's big enough yeah, to, yeah. Yep. to rematch Ramos and take the chance to rematch him, I guess then you do it. But you, you're going to have to get, get significant pay for it. Yeah, that, that is the, the in-between. And, I, I, you know, I we don't know if there is a rematch clause, but – God, you'd think that they already be talking about that. You know what I mean? Like, that would have already been brought up. Um, usually that is in that case, and we didn't hear it. That doesn't mean there wasn't. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, that'll be kind of interesting. But like you said, this out of all rematches, I do think, uh, you know, some of them, and eh, not so much, but I, I think this is actually something that he should definitely go for. I think it'd be very smart. Um, and then Ugas Barrios, you know, the first couple rounds, um, maybe one of the first three, I thought Ugas um, did enough to win those rounds. Uh, he had a pretty good jab, uh, whether his lead or counter left hook, few right hands. He was kind of aiming with that right hand. Um, definitely, like, planted some pretty good shots there. Um, but second round obviously you know um the jab that just was barrios landed a perfectly timed jab ugas walks right in it's almost like he was like had too much confidence trying to throw the right hand that early um and like i said i i, I don't know i i think the, the third round was pretty close because uh i don't know he, he had a good start you know going to the body um seemed like like maybe 45 seconds left or something. It seemed like he buzzed him. Um, but then Barrios started to find his range. And, you know, he went to the body a little bit. He started to let, you know, some combinations go. So I thought, you know, I thought it was a very close fight through six rounds. Um, I gave one, three, and five. So I had it about three, three, something like that. I thought the sixth round was really, really close. Um, but seventh round, even there, I'm looking at my scorecard. I, I gave it to Ugas, but it was really close. I thought he landed the better shots, but it was, it was close. And you could tell by say the fifth or sixth round, 
um, the eye was starting to swell a whole lot. And he was using the counter right hand. He was going to the body and whatnot. But if you look at it, the really the eighth, from the eighth on, yeah, eighth round and on, he was busier, Barrios. He was jabbing really well, like I said, doing the shoe shine stuff. Um, just kind of rinse and repeat down the stretch, and they kept checking the doctor a couple times, checking, you know, to see if he's okay. That left hook uh, with, what, 50 seconds left or what, something like that, and knocked him down. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I think it was in the first minute of that round. Um the 12th round, um, it, it, you know, you started to see Ugas kind of, he got penalized for spitting out his mouthpiece. And just to me, you know, um, Barrios looked pretty good. You know, I thought he, I thought he did good. He was just busier. He almost landed 200 punches, um, a clear win, but a competitive win, uh, kind of happy for Barrios in a sense there, but Ugas, Beyond the first half of the fight, maybe past seven rounds, you know, whether it was the eye, whether he just, you know, just didn't look all that good down the stretch. What would you think of that? And then we will get into uh, uh, Garcia and Resendez, too. Well, I felt like uh, I got a lot right last weekend, and this one was a tough call for me going in, and this was the only one I felt like I, I kind of got wrong um, because I ended up, Finding a tough call going in, but I leaned towards well, I thought Ugas, you know, he's a skilled guy. I thought he's at an advanced age now, especially for a welterweight, but that, that he would just he would just have enough left to get by Barrios, you know, by decision. And you know, like like you said, Chris, he, he was competitive. He he was keeping it close, but you saw where the punch resistance didn't look look that great. And then you also saw, you know, of course, he got stopped by Spence because of the eye and, and ended up having that bad, that bad swelling again and had to hang on just to go the distance and, you know, ended up looking like the end of the line to me. Like, uh, you know, obviously these fighters make their own decision. But look to me, you know, I think you do have to say it. I've gone back and forth on this a lot, but now I'm, I've been back to – as you know, like in the last year or two, like it is, it is for, you know, safety issues and things like that. And even though it's these fighters own lives, uh, you know, you, you, you want people to have a life afterward and things like that too. Uh, and if you can't spend the money, what good is it? So I'm saying all that with, it looks like this would be a good one to be the end of the line for me, for Ugas, uh, punch resistance didn't seem to be there and got swelled up badly second fight in a row. He was already, you know, in the later 30s. It seemed like uh, that, that that should be it. But, you know, good win for Barrios, like you said. Um, you know, Barrios, yeah, there are times he, he, shows, he shows some good things. You know, always been, a, always been a solid fighter. He just then at welterweight, you always wonder how far he can go. This was a good solid win for him because he, he did drop him a couple times and he, he put some hurt on him. You know, it's a brutal sport, like we say, and you, you do get more points for that in the victory. It, it wasn't like he was, you know, coasting to a decision or something like that. And, uh, you know, he was just out voluming Ugas, but wasn't really putting any damage on him. He did, he did put some damage on Ugas. So, 
uh, it, a good win for Barrios and, you know, with the welterweight fighters PBC has available, still has available, you, you figure he's going to get, he's going to get a good fight. Uh, so it's, it's a, it really is a big win for him. It was a, a clear win for him. So he gets himself a big fight, I'd say, relatively speaking. And for Ugas, it seems that, not saying it definitely will be, but it seems like it should be the end of the line would be would be best. Yeah, I agree. It did it did kind of see like it seemed like that. And for a you know, it, there's nothing to be you know like he should be proud of it. Uh, not not just I mean just the outside of the ring stuff that he had to do to get here. You know that's that's a whole different other story, right? You know, a lot of us can't yeah. even comprehend that, right? Um, and he had a great, but in the state, you know, he, he uh, you know, had losses, was re- let go by, I guess, top rank, and then had a lot of time right. off, resurrected his career with PBC, you know, had had such a good run, it went all the way up to beating Pacquiao, you know, future legend, current and future legend. So, yeah, right. I mean, that, that's, that's, I'm looking at the positives, had a great career, obviously made some money along the way, great yeah, choice for coming over. Yeah, made money, right. Would seem to be a good time, time to end it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that I, pretty early on, was starting to swell up. Who knows if that thing's 100%, you know, um, because it did take him quite a while for that. I mean, when you hear about some of the stuff after, you're like, wow, like that really took a lot longer to heal than I, than I would have thought. But you never know when it comes to that stuff. But um, And then what I believe to be the early uh, pick – although we're in October, of the prospect of the year, going from prospect to real-life contender. Um, we could talk about the opener, which, like I said, if they flip this thing on its head, the opener lived up to what we thought it would be. They were they were throwing leather. Shit was popping off. But Elijah Garcia gets Armando uh, Resendiz out of there. What would you think, though, uh, Overall, about the fight, like I said, it was action-packed. Um, you wish this was the co-feature, the way it turned out, but uh, another solid win for Garcia. Yeah, Garcia was the guy that gets an A on the night. He he did what we hoped and wanted to see him do and it, in an entertaining fashion. So he, he's somebody we want to see back, you know, 21 years old. To me, despite the young age, I thought he already had, had reached legit contender status i've been debating some people about that and i was laughing a little bit because on x twitter after the fight i saw people who had never tweeted it before the fight this is what i was telling you about garcia and i was like you were you know not to me but i mean right i thought (laughs) where what tweet was that i thought you know i've i've been talking about this guy for a few fights now um, you know, wasn't sure, uh, but you know, he, he, he definitely convinced in his first big appearance that, that was, uh, you know, that, that was enough for me, uh, when he beat, uh, Vidal, uh, by KO in an upset. And, uh, you know, he had already shown punching power before that, but against low opposition that, that convinced me, uh, because that, that was a, a guy who was a legit up and comer verging on top 10 status himself. And, you know, then some people were saying, oh, that's not enough. And, and, you know, then Salgado went the distance with him. But 
you know, yeah, you didn't want to see that, but Salgado is durable, pretty tough guy. I, I did tweet out before the fight, let's not get too confused because Salgado went the distance with him. It seemed like all the naysayers didn't want to jump on that. And, you know, now he, he's, he fought a guy who hasn't been stopped, who came off a win against Jarrett Hurd. Great, granted, a greatly diminished Jarrett Hurd, but still a name. And he, he got the guy out of there with power punching. So, you know, you, you love that then when a guy shows that he can still do against better opposition what he was doing on the way up. That, you know, it, it's not a case where he can only stop lower level people and then all the fights start going the distance. And that it was just that Salgado was a tough guy. And now two out of his last three fights are big knockouts against tough opposition. So he, he's only 21 years old, but he's a, he's a legit top 10 guy. I think he has been. And to me, anybody that knows anything about boxing has got to be looking at him as a 10 middleweight. Really, to me, realistically, in that division being so weak, I think ability-wise, he's already really – at the top of that division. I mean, not, not saying he's automatically number one, but I mean, the, you know, you would take, he looks like the, the, got, the, 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 the shine, the brightest star of everything. You know, he, he's going to shine in that division. Exactly. Like, so, but I think you could already say completely legitimately. You, so it what's with what's left in that division. You know, you got Janabek, you got Carlos Adamas, and then there's not anybody else after that, like that I'm afraid of Elijah Garcia in theory taking on, including somebody like Chris Eubank Jr. I mean, certainly not Liam Smith, who looked like a corpse in that fight against Eubank, the rematch. There's uh, Lonnie yeah. Lara can't move like he could before. Right. He's just going to be, you know, he, he doesn't move. He doesn't have the defense he used to. He's right there and he hasn't been active. Uh, there's just nobody, you know, there's nobody that would worry me about Garcia taking on there. You know, like I said, you know, the guys at the very top uh, in a weak division now are really Adamas and, and, and Janabek. Uh, but, you know, these guys like, like Gualtieri, who Janabek's going to fight. I mean, I think Garcia would take him out easily. Uh, and I think Janabek will. So, yeah, nobody, you know, he, he's to me, re- realistically, he's probably at a, at a, in a very weak division. He's probably already in the upper half. So, you know, some people looking at it as a coming out. I think he might have been there, but this reaffirmed it. He, he did, he did, I mean, ideally for this card, you were going to have an entertaining main event in some fashion, even though you know it'd be low volume, some kind of intrigue. Then Ramos to really come out against Lubin. He he didn't do that with his performance. Uh, you know, Ugas at the end of the line, but you did have a good win for Barrios. Uh but then Garcia was then the guy, like, like this was kind of like what you would, when you saw this card, this is what you were hoping for. Like you said, Chris, you know, Garcia getting an impressive win, but in an entertaining fight with some action. So uh, th- this, yeah, this was the one fight on the card that lived up the, to the expectations. And, you know, Garcia is somebody who throws bombs and knocks people out. Look, Let's face it, that's that's what the fans want to see. So, you know, if, if I'm, you know, Al Heyman and PBC and they already are, that's why they had him in this spot. I mean, this is a guy that they're saying, hey, you know, we we can we can do something with this guy. Um, may, maybe the plan will be in the near term, especially with the flux that's going on with the Showtime situation. Maybe they will just park 
Garcia as the co-feature to Canelo for a couple of fights, which probably wouldn't be a bad marketing right. move uh, in the climate we're in, especially. I, like you said, you you mentioned that I had said, Chris, yeah, I do see it at least for a while, even though Espinosa is saying we, we're not sure we could do it that way and make it work. Uh, it, it does seem to me, at least in the short term, on the PBC side, your your spotlights are going to be just these, these pay-per-views, yeah, yeah. and they're going to yeah. have put all their big guys on them on the undercard. So that mm-hmm. would be Garcia now and, and Canelo's the biggest name they have. So yeah, that, that would, right. uh, that would make sense that he, he'll, he'll maybe through this Canelo deal, maybe he'll just be on the Canelo undercards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, presumably he'd get a fight before next May, but his next fight after that, you're right. Um, and that could be a big step up right there. Uh, in that fight, get another solid fight and then step up, you know? So yeah, that, that, this kid, like I said, everybody has different definitions uh, and we're not doing, uh, you know, the, the award show just yet. That's not till uh, late December, but it'd be hard pressed to find uh, a better prospect of the year for what I, you know, for my category of how I do the prospect of the year. If you, you begin the year as a prospect, you ended as a contender or as an, as a championship, but you literally were a prospect coming in to me, that's the prospect of the year. So I really don't think you can, there, there's some, been some solid ones, but as far as quality wins, I don't know, you know, in, in facing a little adversity where he didn't look as good, uh, like you said, with Salgado came through that fight now came, you know, and delivered this. So we saw that improvement. He is a full fledged contender. I agree with you. I don't think they'd, move him into the biggest fight at the weight class. But like you said, I mean, you know, it's just a matter of time. Just line up the opponents. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to do his thing. Um, so let's talk about this weekend. Lee Wood, Josh Warrington, Zerto Ramirez, Joe Smith Jr. You know, Zerto Ramirez makes sense at this weight class because, you know, unfortunately that light heavyweight run didn't, you know, didn't do much. Obviously, he got the Bibble fight, um, was a non-factor in it, that's for sure. Um, it, you know, Joe Smith Jr. is a big dude. Uh, will he be okay at this weight class? Will he be stronger? It's not like Zerto spotted this weight class a bunch. Um, and obviously, Joe Smith Jr., not the freshest guy still. That's at cruiserweight. And then Lee Wood coming off a great performance where he, flipped it around and actually, you know, fought more responsible, still was uh, busy, still was very active, got on his jab, uh, was landing plenty right hands, like really showing off some of his skills, but he fought the fight that he needed to in the rematch. And I didn't think he was fully capable of doing that. Now, Lee Wood needs to fight like that a lot of times, in these type of fights, but, you know, Warrington starting to fade for a little bit now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, both of them on the zone, Lee Wood, Josh Warrington, and then Zerto and Joe Smith. The Wood-Warrington, my conclusion, I'm surprising myself because I've never liked Josh Warrington as a fighter. He's, he's, he's awkward. He, he's not particularly talented for this level. But he, he he throws a lot of punches. He, he's awkward. 
stamina is good. Um, just kind of a difficult guy to fight like that, but I just never never liked his talent level. He always seemed to me like, as we would call in the old days, like he's he just like a glorified club fighter, you know, I always felt like. And, and I think that's all he was regarded as early in his career, but he you know, pulled up, pulled a, a few upset wins and, uh, you know, ended up getting alphabet. Had a nice and, fan base, you know, in the UK. And being regarded at the top of the division. So, I thought I'd I'd always and and I, I'm usually picking against Warrington and when I have I I felt like I've been you know r- right but then as this fight's getting closer and and I'm with you like Lee Wood's shown some good skills he's got some good pop he's fighting the best he has in his career but he's at an older age too for the weight even though he's coming off a really good performance against Laura though who who just looked like he didn't want to be there, but still Wood Wood did fight very well and he was the underdog. No nobody was really picking him. So I give him full credit for the win. Um, you know, and Laura didn't make the weight properly. But again, never thinking a real lot of, of Josh Warrington's ability level, relatively speaking. And he's he's a, a, a significant underdog in this fight. The closer it's getting the the more I'm leaning towards Warrington though. I, I got this feeling that would even though he's got good pop that he can't get Warrington out of there and you know Warrington's going to be you know he, he comes in with the head first he's grabbing you you know he, he's throwing a lot of punches but they're awkward he, he doesn't have pop he's not I don't think he's going to hurt Wood but I, I, I think I'm leaning towards the upset here that I think just in an ugly rough and tumble Warrington grabbing and Holding, but then throwing a lot of punches like he does, and coming in with the head that that he he grinds out a decision here. I, I just think it's going to be hard. Wood's been doing some good classic boxing uh, in recent fights, legitimately, and and looked pretty good doing it. Uh, you know, he's even doing some of it well before he got knocked out by Lara in their first fight. He, he was ahead, um, but. I got a feeling just he's not going to be able to do that with War with Warrington. That's that's the thing. The guy is just you know he's he's so he's so awkward and, and he throws a lot of punches because you know Lopez has looked good and, and remember even though Lopez clearly won the fight, you know it, it did bother me a little bit though like because again I, I just Warrington can be annoying to watch fight like. Like, late in that fight, though, like, Lopez was, like, fading, you know? He was complaining about the way Warrington was fighting him, and, and he still clearly won the fight, but, you know, Warrington almost pulled, again, it's just ugly, but he, he almost pulled that thing out. Um, and I'm I'm thinking as it's getting closer, I saw he's a, he's a big underdog, and I'm like, I, I think I like the dog play on this with Warrington. I just think in an ugly fight that he he could scrap his way to an ugly decision. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a close fight. It is a close fight. Uh, I know a lot. I have seen a lot of people uh, going with the opposite. Um, and you know, honestly, like even on the you know on the books, it's not like he's a you know like he's a plus number, no doubt about it. I see it. Uh, you know, all, a lot of plus two hundreds. Uh, right, somewhere like plus two ten. I'm seeing on pro boxing odds, but um, I, I saw plus two twenty five. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I changed, plus yeah. two twenty five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I'm picking uh, Lee Wood does have a way of, like, can he, you know, stay true to the game, I guess, like, you know, because these are the fights that he has to. Not that uh, Warrington is just all power or anything like that. Some of these other guys had a little bit more power. They were wilder. But, he, did, you know, first of all, we know there's going to be a headbutt and some rabbit punches. Because <laughs> if right. you had a Warrington fight, we know there's going to be cuts. But that type of thing could frustrate him. That type of thing could, like, make him go, all right, I'm going to try to uppercut you and knock you out. Next thing you know, he's on the ground. So I think it is a little bit more up in the air. I agree with you. Um, I am picking uh, Wood, and I'll go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people are just kind of like, ah, you know, It'll be Wood, but, you know, a lot of those same people were saying Wood was about to get knocked out again, you know, in his last fight. So it's like, well, you know, I, I don't trust them all the way uh, with his game plan. Um, so, yeah, maybe he'll uh, get overconfident and whatnot, or – and he still had to grind out, you know, that win a little bit. Um, and then what's your thoughts on, you know, Ramirez Smith uh, – is this this kind of like whatever, or are you kind of intrigued in it, or what's your thoughts here? I'm su- I'm su- I'm surprised I'm not as intrigued as I thought I would be because, you know, I've liked Joe Smith and and you know Ramirez at times has shown me some potential and and he's he's big for the weight now it's even cruiser weight but but he's just a big guy even though he keeps moving up. I thought I was really disappointed with. Joe Smith's performance against Peter Biev. I mean, you no, know, Peter Biev's tough, and he's got a perfect KO percentage. But Joe Smith just looked lost in that fight, and just didn't didn't respond well when he started getting hit. I, I thought, frankly, you know, I'd, I'd heard that with with his money, that um, him and his dad had started a tree business. And you know, I'm not saying you're making the same money with your tree business that you are for fights, but. I thought I, I just this just on my own, and he was he has been off for a while. I, I thought he'd retire, so I, I thought I was going to maybe call that one. And and he's not obviously he's not retiring, but that that's it seemed almost like, you know, I, I thought he was maybe heading in that direction, and he's popping up with this assignment. So, I mean, I, I'd like some of what Smith brought to the table as a fighter. You know, good pop. Uh, kind of underrated boxing skill. I, I, I will say that. I, I do think if you really watched him fight, even though he didn't have a great amateur pedigree, his boxing skills had developed. They're kind of underrated. He had good pop, but I think his boxing skills were underrated. But again, we we didn't see any of that against Peter Biev, and now he's coming back in this one against another you know, tough opponent uh, at, a, at a higher weight. Uh, you know, Ramirez will be bigger than him at this weight. I think Smith will have enough power to be a factor, but I just I don't know I, I don't know I'm not I'm not sure how into this one Smith's going to be, um, and you know it, it's kind of like seems to me like he's being brought in. You know this is obviously you know Ramirez at this point is the the golden boy guy on his own. So you know Smith was I guess available as an opponent here. Uh, they made an offer he couldn't refuse. That's what I'm kind of thinking about this one. Like, you know, Smith with his power, I do think he's got enough power that he's always in a fight. So, like, I'm intrigued right. like that. I, I, but it's kind of like you said. Like, I look at this like kind of like 
it's and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing if the fight's good enough, and I think that's what Oscar's going for here, but it better be because, like, I think this is, like, just a fight. You know what I mean? Like, it's not leading. That's what you know, it feels say it, but, yeah, it's not leading to anything. You know, I, I don't see it leading really to anything with either guy. I mean, let's face it, U.S. has basically got a history about nobody caring about cruiserweight, and, you know, that that's really not going to change at this point. I mean, if people want to see a good fight, they don't care if it's cruiserweights, if it's a good fight. And, you know, I, I think that's the case here. That's what, again, Oscar's going for. But, again, that's what's the problem with the zone thing because, like, they're trying to stay viable. And, like, this is a fight, like, if, yeah, if this was on ESPN, you know, I'd be saying, hey, this this is a good fight for people just flipping around and, you know, maybe there'll be some action and both guys bring some pop. Maybe there'll be multiple knockdowns or something. It'd be a good one for that. But it's – it's buried, so to speak, on DAZN, so there's nobody flipping around to see it or anything. So then really what the purpose is is, like, it's like Oscar saying, like, well, I'm giving you DAZN subscribers something here from Golden Boy because, you know, there can't, there can't be much left for anybody still on there to hang on to. Uh, there's not. So, you know, at this point, what's that? Is that going to move the needle? Not really. So it's kind of like, Kind of like just a fight. I mean, there is there is a scenario where this could this could be a great fight in terms of entertainment. That's that's the thing that gets you interested. Is like there there is a legit scenario here. Like if Joe Smith is still into this, and you know it's not like Zerto's going to be moving or, or hard to find or anything like that. I mean, you know, and 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 there could be there could be some explosiveness here. So especially they're at cruiser weight, you know, weight, you're going to be bringing even more power. Uh, so there, there is good potential for this fight in certain scenarios, but I'm leaning more towards like, I, I just seem like they're bringing Smith in, you know, is he really going to be into this at this point? It, this doesn't seem to really be leading to anything. So I don't really have a call yet. Cause I, I just feel like there's some mystery there in that sense to me. And you know, I'm hoping it'll be entertaining. It's got it's got that potential, but I'm not sure after Smith's last outing and him being brought in here in this one if if he's going to bring that or not. I hope he does, but I I feel like that's an uncertainty. Yeah, I think you broke that down. I just don't know what Smith's going to show up, and I don't know. I did think he was done too. I agree. I did think he was done. Um, so. Let's see. Oh, yeah, just talking. I mean, we could talk about, you know, any other topic you want to talk about, but just kind of going back into that uh, Showtime PBC, you know, the reports have been a variety of reports. First, it's just Showtime's out for good. Now we're also hearing, well, maybe it's going to be Paramount, and they're just going to switch it over. Um, Whether that means just the app, because we know Paramount Plus does have you know, they're already streaming fights. They wouldn't have to, like, upgrade their stuff to do a live broadcast because they're already doing that. So they got that down. But um, And then, you know, uh, part of the, the, the first initial reports, first it was Eddie Hearn. Then it was some guy that really hasn't broke too many stories. Um, and then Eddie kind of started to pile on a little bit. Dana White, of course, they're all going to pile on and whatnot, but – yeah, you hear Paramount Plus is involved. You hear Showtime will only do the pay-per-views. You, you know, 
Also, what I heard out of that interview, well, a different interview, actually, but one that's more of a even keel uh, source outlet, um, he said, we haven't made any, we'll make an announcement when it's time to make an announcement, he said. So that kind of made me think, maybe, you know, because I could understand, like, it going to Paramount, but then you'd probably want to take some of that, you know, success that you do have and bring some of it over, you know, whether that's Espinosa and some folks behind the scenes that don't get talked a lot about. Um, obviously, they're putting the app to get – they've already done that, and people are already getting their, hey, you know, the app's completely done. You could turn off your – you know, we're not going to charge you anymore because it's just paramount now that the Showtime app is completely done. They've moved a bunch of the boxing over. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, you know, and then, then we hear reports and they first came from Eddie. So that is kind of funky, but he was saying like, he's out there shopping a deal right now. It's like, well, maybe that's true for a part of the part of it. Maybe that's true for all of it. Maybe he's already got a deal because I will say this. Um, he usually is a, a couple steps in front of everybody, you know? And every time it's been PBC's going to die, PBC's going to die, all of a sudden there's something new. So I don't know. We don't, I don't think anyone knows the exact thing, obviously. Uh, there is writing on the wall. If HBO can go out of business, out of the boxing business, so can Showtime. Now, if it's moved to Paramount Plus, you know, if you look at the number of subscribers, no matter what, you know, compare Paramount, who is somewhat new anyway, um, in the last couple of years, it's gained, you know, gained steam, but it's, it's not on the same level. Of, I mean, not much is Apple or Netflix, right? As far as numbers, you know, just there, but as we know, the streaming business is rough. We saw, you know, HBO is no longer called HBO max. It's just the max now, like they, he came, they came together and put that stuff together. And so, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know exactly what we're talking about. And even when people are so confident about the Paramount Plus, I, I see that. And that's something I talked about right away uh, a while back. Um, what does that mean? Is it just on the app? Could they find a way to get some fights maybe in the summer on that Paramount basic cable, which would be ideal? Um, but what are your thoughts in general? Because they do have some guys right now that can give you some revenue. And the reason why I bring that up is when you saw the Fox, like pre-COVID Fox, they did have some revenue coming in on those pay-per-views. Not all of them, but their quarter report definitely showed um, some some revenue, right? So what are, what are your thoughts? Because you even talked about it's going to be, you feel like it's going to be Paramount or even a couple weeks ago, you were talking about maybe they will just do that model, and that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, maybe half of it, but maybe that's what they're going to go for. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Though? What, what's your gut telling you? And what do you think it would involve Paramount? Does that mean Espinosa's done? He wouldn't have anything to do with it? Or because they're, they're the same company right now, app-wise, um, that that's what he was talking about when he said, well, we haven't announced anything. You know, he hasn't completely 100% said yes, you know, and it, it is kind of funny because they had the best year this year. 
they have potential to have the best year this year, so they're definitely not going out like HBO, even if they went completely out of business. Well, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, all this stuff? Because, you know, we like to keep to the facts, keep non-biased, just kind of throw up a, a lot of stuff on the wall and see what makes sense, what sticks. Yeah, I think that I, I, I did at least to a degree see this coming. It's not that Showtime was performing worse than any other current boxing outlet, relatively speaking, but I felt like the the premium cable model, which really going right. back, I never thought was that good for boxing. Uh, you know, I think it was a detriment over the long haul, even though we had great moments on HBO and Showtime. But for whatever that model was, you, you saw it. You saw it fading. I mean, even when PBC was getting themselves going, they they were they were trying to establish something outside of that model to rejuvenate some interest. And you know, they were successful to some degree. I think there's a good argument that if they wouldn't have done the things that they did do in 2015 even though they probably would have wanted them to be even more successful, that they still wouldn't be around now and you wouldn't even have pay-per-views like you had this past um, weekend. You could see this model dying because the the original idea behind like the HBO and the, the Showtime was that, and, and, they, and I, I remember like, you know, 10 years ago and before 15, 20 years ago, you would actually read these numbers, you know, people – the equivalent at the time of, of, of who were doing Stephen Espinosa's job. And, you know, you, you had the guys that had that job over the years at HBO. Like, you know, they, they were very cognizant of how many subscribers they had who were on there just for boxing. And it, it, it was a pretty significant number. So, it, it, yeah, you got, you got other stuff for it, but they were like, you know, focused on who was there just for boxing. And right, you know, right. I, I think, as the boxing audience, unfortunately, for all reasons we talk about all the time, uh, continues to shrink. You know, I've been looking at this in recent years and looking at the the numbers on my show, and I saw the HBO numbers at the end, and I was like, you know, this idea that that somebody's subscribing, you know, there's people like us, but, I mean, in terms of significant numbers, like this idea that there's significant subscribers now on there for boxing is like long gone. So, you know, you know what, what what really justification are they having anymore for spending the money they are on it and the budget and everything? And and then you have the additional factor of, of as you pointed out, things go into streaming. And even though that market's tough, like you know, just this 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 whole concept of like, I mean, not not enough people are going to watch it anymore on premium cable to to really build it into anything. So. And there's not enough. Especially when you only have like 20 million subscribers, you know, Uh, they don't even have that on basic on cable anymore. You know, right. The app was showing actually some, some positivity, but you know, it's still not going to run 50 million. That's why they, they put it together. Right. You're getting by on that, but you know, you could see those numbers like when you're running in an event and 230,000 people are, I mean, you know, and Stephen Espinosa even said in this boxing news interview last week. You know, I, I'm not sure that's right or not. I'm not saying he's wrong, but I I'm, I'm, I can see it both ways. Like, you know, if you're going to make that argument that that the other fights you show got to lead to something, and that's why PBC was 
you know, buying time and getting back on quote unquote free TV because you, you needed eyeballs to see these guys to lead to something. I mean, I kept looking at those Showtime numbers in recent years, and I'm like, this isn't leading to nothing. You know, if 232,000 people are seeing this fighter, I mean, that that's not having to pay the pay-per-view. I mean, what, what's that, you know, right, what's right. that leading? It's not leading to anything. And and, I, and they're, they're maybe not going to admit that, but I, I'm sure that was part, that's been part of the calculation. I mean, I do think, like, the showtime on premium cable that we've known it, I think that's done. I, I do think that's done. I, I could kind of start to see that coming. So these last couple of pay-per-view cards was, was kind of what I saw coming. And then Espinosa was asked about that. And, and he's saying in his opinion that, no, you have to have something leading to the pay-per-view. So I think that gets to what you're talking about, Chris. I do think if they kept it, I wouldn't see that why they wouldn't keep them in those people and just put it on Paramount, which maybe some of the things right. get shown on CBS. But but they have been surprisingly reluctant to commit to that. Uh, at, at first, you would think the old school thought would have been like, well, we have Showtime subscribers are just there for boxing. Yeah, they, they've got some, but there, there can't be too many left at this point. So it, it doesn't seem to me like that would be the holdup anymore. So, like, what is the holdup? I think the holdup is – just frankly looking at it since had this problem over the last, you know, three to four decades, is it worth it? Is boxing worth it with all the headaches and the, the violence? And Espinosa has talked about that, which, you know, started coming up more and more like 40 years ago. And I think it is right. I mean, there is a violence to boxing where it's, it's not palatable to everybody and every advertiser, like, like a lot of boxing fans might. They just don't want to. No, you're it. right. That is a good point. And it's becoming and, more and more every decade that goes by. People are a little bit more in tune to that. Yeah, Cause we know more about CTE and things like that. I mean, that, that is legitimate as, as a boxing fan, whether you want to look at it or not, you, you can't disregard it. it. It's, it's legit. So yeah, that's probably where the mystery is. Do they, are, do they even want to go on? It does seem to me like maybe what they're, they're, they're considering or, I would th- see. I would think maybe if, if you have all your your guys now fighting on the cards, like I don't know. I, I thought may- maybe eight, maybe eight to ten Showtime pay per views a year. It's not that that all of them are going to be purchased by every boxing fan, but you know maybe that would be the way it's headed towards, and you do it. Um, it's kind of like a a violent sport thing. And it's kind of saying to the fans of it, look, if you want to watch this, you got to pay for it. I'm not saying we like that or, or you want to, right. But the USC sure did it. I mean, the USC was doing them almost every three weeks there for a while. Yeah. I mean, they run like eight, what, 80 year. I mean, at least so yeah, UFC has been doing it. And, 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 you know, I think they've kicked around with that model. So I do think that's possible. The only thing then is Espinosa says, no, if they're going to do that, it's got to be with something else. Because at least for a while, to right. see if that would work, I could see like they, them keeping maybe the same crew, the graphics and everything, and just making like Showtime pay-per-view just like a brand that runs right, like eight right. times a year. But now Espinosa is saying if they do that, there's got to be something leading to it. He's not saying it had to be still on Showtime. That's not what he was saying. That's right, that exactly. leads to like yeah. your thing. Right. Like, would there be a – a Paramount, you know, obviously nowadays it would have something to do with Paramount Plus, but then like would some of be on CBS too, CBS Sportsnet or something like that. They haven't seemed to want to go there, but 
maybe that that's probably what they're kicking around and it's whether they do it or not. And I do think there probably is even a scenario where they say boxing, you know, it, it's too violent with the image. It's shrinking too much. We're, we're out. I, I don't think that that's impossible. I mean, I think PBC has sure. got the best stable guys and uh, fighters and most known in the U S. So like you said, there's some value there, but, you know, just just with the state boxings in, I, I do think it's possible they could just say that's it too. So um, I, I'm leaning towards maybe they're going to – it seemed like they were heading towards this. They're going to do a Showtime pay-per-view. Maybe that's going to be like a brand thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if you need as much leading up to it as, like like I said, like Espinosa is saying. I mean, I mean, that's ideal, but we've already kind of lost that from where you wanted to be. I mean, like you said, even though it has moments, I mean, PBC lost the Fox deal. You know, they, they were cognizant of needing more TV exposure for the guys to lead to pay-per-views, and, and yeah. they've, they've kind of lost that in recent years. Now, Top Rank's the opposite. They came in doing this after PBC in this most recent iteration, at least, but they haven't been able to build to any pay-per-views. Right, like, yeah. Anytime they've had a pay-per-view that had any modest success, it's been with a PBC guy like Wilder Fury or, or you know, when Crawford Order, left and then he yeah, spent. Right. Yeah, Porter, you know, right, Porter Crawford, which wasn't even that successful. They haven't been able to take two top yeah. ranked guys, you know, the close you had a Haney Lomachenko yeah, and that was a dub. Yeah. So and they haven't it, been able it, to access the ABC part of the deal once, you know? Right. Nothing. I, I didn't even think that was in the deal. I think that was Bob Aram just saying it because they literally haven't done one of them. No, it's been available, but they ha- they haven't gone with it, and that probably has to do with those image type things that well, they well. don't want to go there because UFC gets on there a little bit. So, uh, yeah. you know, but they haven't boxing. Yeah. So I, I, the, the thing that surprises me, I think it, it's a minor hope, but to me, the minor hope for the fan in the U S is that like ESPN keeps running these cards. Like they got a yeah. job, but good all, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I job, but good all is Ali Frazier, but I am just saying, it might be an entertaining heavyweight fight that's on regular ESPN, and at least they're guys who they're not legit top ten, but they're just a little below that. And like ESPN, they do keep running those. Like I keep waiting for it to stop, but it hasn't stopped yet, and and it hasn't led to any pay per view. So the tiny hope I'm saying for the fan, I think, is that it, at least for the moment, ESPN's still willing to run boxing cards out there. Uh, that are above so do you think they just pro- buy out the contract? Because that that obviously plays into it. They're under contract till uh, August 2025. The contract with Showtime? With, with, with PBC, top, no, or, with, top top rank, rank. with Top Rank and okay. ESPN because they signed the initial deal. And then remember ESPN Plus came along and they expanded it. And right. uh, I think it's. It's either April – no, I think it's August. August 2025, that deal would, um, on paper right now, expire. But one thing I want to talk about, first and foremost, we've been saying this for a couple of years now. When Jake comes on, we've been saying it. If we're being honest, there's just too much fucking boxing on. There just is. There just is. There's just no way around it. We love a lot of this stuff. Because we're hardcores, we weren't used to getting this much fights, but there is too many damn dates. You can't have three different entities going at the same time on one night and think that's going to help overall, right? It's going to take a little bit out of everything. And then if you look at post-COVID, 
We saw the Fox uh, cut a part of that deal, that's for sure, because obviously there's no FS1 stuff anymore. And it did feel like those last four pay-per-views were part of the contractual thing that they had to do if you look at what was on the, you know, the Thurman Barrios and stuff like that, right? And and they obviously got cut. If you look back and go research on when they extended the deal in 2018 uh, with Top Rank ESPN, if you look at what they called for, 54 dates, um, 18 prime times on ESPN, which we know they don't do 18 uh here in the States, primetime. They do once a month primetime, right? And they were supposed to, on the plus, have another, uh, I think it was 8 to 12 primetime in the U.S. Well, we know they're not doing that. So, And then we know DAZN, at least DAZN USA, definitely cut back on some of their, their budget. So we know that at some point, this investment, at some point, it was going to be, you know, there was going to be, less dates, you know, less investment, less budget, whatever. Um, so I think that plays into it too. And COVID just kind of sped that up. Um, I do think COVID had something to do with that Fox deal because we talked about that first year and change. We could see where they were going with it and it had a lot of potential. And if you could have done what they were doing on average, of course, you're going to have some mediocre fights and yada, yada, yada. But on average, four pay-per-views a year in, a, in you know, uh, uh, what was it? I think it was 12 FS1 cards and eight uh, Fox cards, eight to ten, something like that. If they kept that going for five straight years, I really think they could have done something there. It felt like they were doing something pretty positive. And also the A-side, B-side quality B-sides for someone that can do some pay-per-views. We saw Spence Garcia, Spence Porter. We saw some where you're like, oh, wow, that's hitting 300000 That's doing a pretty good gate. But there was going to be, I'm not going to call it a day of reckoning, you know, but there was going to be a fix, like, a, okay, let's go back to what, let's, let's, let's get back to something to where we can budget a little bit better. And, um, some of that is just playing out as well, long story short. Yeah, well, even something that I thought would never work in a million years and shocked me was, and look, there, were, there never was a follow-up. It was a bit of a head-scratcher. You had Spencer and Milnicki fighting on Christmas night, getting over 2 million viewers. And then they never, you know, they never built, they never built off of that. Um, that was, that's been a head-scratcher to me. I mean, Milnicki... And, and this is going outside of the fighters' talents. I'm just talking about what when you get those kind of numbers seeing you. Um, right. You, you know, the, he he ended up fighting fighting lower lower and lower on cards. Uh, it was just kind of a kind of a head scratcher. And you know, Spencer you know, went in tough against Ramos and picked up the loss, and he hasn't fought since. But and I'm not just saying that because it, it was those two guys. It would have been anybody you put on there on Christmas night that got that rating. Um, that I never thought that. Yeah, would just work. the that idea of it. The idea of it that, and, and that it worked. Like, but you know, then, it, but it seems like you know that twenty one. Was that twenty one two thousand twenty one? They did that. Sounds about right. Yeah. So that would have been even after the budget cuts. So you're right. Yeah, that is kind of weird that they. Huh. 
trouble. I think there's trouble with all these. I mean, I think the trouble is bigger than people think because, like, you know, I, I don't see this 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 zone U.S. thing is just not it's just. I, I can't even believe it's still going because it's not it's not working. It's not going to work. Um, you know, I, I I hadn't remembered when the the top rank deal went to. So you make a good point, Chris, because maybe it's just that simple. Because I see they keep running it out there, and that's actually to me a good thing and surprising because it hasn't led to any successful top rank pay per views with ESPN yet. So I'm I'm just like, well, how how long are they going to keep running this out there? I mean, I think it's good, but are they going to keep doing it? Like, I don't I don't necessarily see a really good future for for any of these platforms right now and it's because of the problems with the sport that we keep talking about and when you keep having that neglect and things keep shrinking up um you know it just it it, it keeps getting worse things you know just just don't get better part of part of it is you know and they were doing this with the fox deal and they were even saying it openly but and and we know that's because they want to make money on these pay-per-view events but like you can't you can't look at the you can't look at the avenues where you get the most exposure, like whether that would be on Fox or ESPN. Like this is kind of the problem. Like like they keep looking at that as the lowest part of their tier. You know, like all these boxing providers, if you want to call them that, and promoters. Like you you can't keep looking at like your biggest exposure as the lowest part of your tier. You know what I mean? Like 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 that's where you're showing your worst fights. I think it starts there. I mean, it's it's like it's like a CBS, and it really is comparable. People say no, well, boxing, but it is kind of comparable. But it's, it's like if the NFL, they only they only showed you like uh, they they only showed you like the, uh, the you know the 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 Falcons playing the Texans. Uh, and and then like you, you had you had to pay you had to pay for the Eagles. But you later to tonight, the Chiefs, for the Eagles, the, the Chiefs Bills, and the right, Bengals, you know? right, right. Yeah, like okay, it's it's, it's the Chiefs and the Bengals. That's eighty four ninety nine, and Bill right, right, Eagles right, right. is eighty four ninety nine. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you know, Texans, uh, yeah, I, I mean. Texans Cardinals, yeah, that, that, that's going to be on Fox at eight o'clock in prime time. You know, I mean, right, right. It, like it just doesn't make any. It just in that and that it doesn't it doesn't make sense in, in that in that way. Like it, it just and and it's been doing that for you know it got that got worse instead of better and and that's uh, you know look you you really can go back. I mean they they were doing it as a sacrifice trying this, but but it just shows you the potential like. I mean, when they had Thurman and Porter fighting, you know, on on CBS, basically moving Showtime to CBS for free. I mean, there were literally, you know, then then there was like three million people watching it. You know, when when Spence came yeah, on, yeah, they beat the huge US, numbers. Yeah, when Spence came on after the U.S. basketball team in the Olympic gold medal game against Bundu, and you had like you know six million plus watching it. I mean. Sure, but that's all part of TV. That's that's all part of it. Like, it's just showing you that in the right situation, people will will tune in. But you can't keep yeah. having the wrong situation and just abusing the hardcores, which really is what they do, uh, and, and think it's going to grow to anything. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right about abusing the hardcores. I mean, and as much as people, um, you know, there's plenty of great members on HBO, like you said, no doubt. But if we're being honest about it, it no, it definitely they they did what you know. I mean, what the most recent one was the zone. They overpaid to get to help out the network boxing grew HBO the most, and you're right. I mean, it, it definitely did, and it was good for a while, right? But by, you know, by the early 2000s, if you look at 2000 to 2010, and if you look at a $100 million budget and what it shrunk down to in a short amount of time, I mean, that that was, you know, that was a short a short-term way of thinking. And, you know, that... A lot of it has to do with how those sports are organized. You know what I mean? Obviously, right? If we could have one entity in America, which Endeavor is one of those, um, if you look at the contracts and when they would be up and all that, um, you know, like, it would be great if Top Rank and PBC and Golden Boy and whatever DAZN USA here or DAZN, uh, Match from USA, if someone just bought that up, and then, you know, and, and did, okay, those are our companies. Maybe you'd have some people as head figures. Maybe, of course, you'd have like a promotional, you know, whatever. I don't know exactly how they do it, but that would be ideal, obviously, because that would help with the way it's organized and how you get to certain fights and, and that type of thing. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's there's still we still got to figure out a variety of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff has to do with the PBC is just wanting to see them die, uh, that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'll say this. Amongst media and hardcore fans, um, some hardcore fans on, let's say, boxing Twitter type stuff, it's like there's not the same sentiment when HBO was going out compared to what if Showtime goes out. You know what I mean? It's like, huh, you sure weren't kicking them when they were down, H. And to be honest with you, they went out the last few years like a dud compared to what if, – if, in fact, you know, Showtime does go 100% out of it, they sure went out with a bang. I'll give them credit for that. But uh, it is funny um, the sentiment out there of, of you know, how, how the two are, are – you know, saw in, in the celebration in some sense, or the, well, I told you so, um, but they weren't saying that with HBO, even though the writing was on the wall with HBO as well, actually, and that's something that was documented here on the show, but, you know, if in fact they go to Paramount, and Espinosa goes over there, and some of the key pieces behind the scenes like we talked about, to me, that's an upgrade, you know what I mean? I'm not stuck on this, oh, my God, if, if HBO could only come back, boxing would be saved. Well, hold on. They had the biggest budget in the sport, and it deteriorated under their watch. So let's be honest about it. Now, the graphics and the way they did production, yeah, you really couldn't beat it. I get that part, but it would be an upgrade, <laughs> you know, if it went to Paramount. Uh, that's just undeniable based off of, you know, even if they only get to sixty million and they they're stuck in the sixty-seven million or seventy million range, that's 
way more than double of what Showtime had. So we'll see how it all pans out. Um, but, yeah, appreciate you for a long segment here, kind of going over some stuff. Uh, I wanted to, you know, tread over some of this stuff just because of last week we weren't able to, to, to you know, to, to get you on. But uh, any last words, sir? No, that's, that's about it, Chris. I would just conclude on that subject with I do think the best-case scenario, I mean, I'm with you. I think that, you know, some people don't like them for whatever reason, but I still think at this point, to me, despite the fact that Top Rank has the ESPN access still, I think PBC is basically carrying the sport in the U.S. Um, yeah. And I think that – They make the best fights. they got the best talent. They have, they actually sell tickets. Um, yeah, it, it's just true right now. Right. I think the best scenario – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but probably to me the best realistic scenario we have now for things to keep going is going to be if Showtime stays in with Paramount Plus and or CBS in a capacity like you described and that they're going to run maybe eight pay-per-views a year and you're just going to pick and choose – and the, the, they're going to be more like, even though this one didn't work out this Saturday, they're going to be a little more like we've seen lately. And I would optimistically right. say even a little better. Like, like where, look, the the undercard fights are going to be real, so to speak. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where these guys are going to be built up, but in real fights, like not in walkovers, mm-hmm. uh, real competitive right. fights. And that you're going to then maybe the hardcore gets all eight. And you know you're seeing these the guys hardcore regular. fans get what they actually want, you know. Right, right. To an extent, anyway. Want. Yeah, and then and then it's going to be the the part that Espinosa is talking about for the for the build up is going to be like Paramount Plus, maybe in conjunction with CBS, CBS Sportsnet, something like that. I I still think that's probably possible, and that that probably is literally what they're deciding on now. Is are, are they going to are they going right. to do that? going to get out or maybe despite what Espinosa says maybe at least try the just pay-per-view events you know a few pay-per-view events a year and see if that's viable or something like that but and then the worst case scenario would be they, they just get out all together and I don't, I don't think that that would be any big bonanza for zone or or the way ESPN's running things so uh, I don't think for the haters that would be anything to cheer about for PBC I, I do think that might be more like it's just the long, slow roll towards boxing just ended up off of everything. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's that's probably what it would be because if they if somebody doesn't find a commodity in that and ass in that outfit, then what kind of deals are they going to get in the future? You know. Yeah, I mean, Gold Boy's already on a fight to fight right now with his own. You know. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, we may not, in closing, it may be unfortunate, but we, we may not be that far away from that as as people might think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, this would have to be, it would have to be what we're talking about. Otherwise, it would uh, be a major step back, no doubt about it. Well, I appreciate you coming on, John. You take it easy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris, great being with you as always. All right, take it easy. Take care. All right, so for the folks that thought I was ducking the topic, I did talk about it late last last week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've said that for a while. 
about wouldn't it be ideal if you look at how the contracts are structured, uh, where they're at least, you know, and that's another thing. It said, well, it's not going to affect 2003, but after 2024, it would be different. Well, does that mean, does that mean they're going to be on Showtime next year then? Because Espinosa said that the deal goes through 224 or 2024, 224. I don't know, but like I said, take the networks out of it, you know, it would be ideal. And I'm just using Endeavor as a, you know, or, or the Bleacher Report thing, right? The Bleacher Report, they were they were going to um, – wasn't it Bleacher Report is like the lead of – of uh, what, what, what app was that – what was that? Was that on the Mac? There was some sort of app that's getting the sports too. And I believe Bleacher Report was the lead on that, if I remember correctly. Um, but just let's just say ESPN and ESPN Plus, right? And, and then, then doing pay-per-views for boxing, right? Like, yeah, if you got those four entities, Matchroom USA, PBC, Golden Boy, and ESPN, and you just bought them all out, and then you control all those fighters, that would at least organize it a little bit better. And that would be ideal. Because, you know, I do believe some of these lead-ins that top rank get, and I'm talking about college football and whatnot, that the PBC has more name fighters that they, it would be better. The rating would be better. I do believe that. Um, most of the time, if you look at what they when they did get a lead in, they did pretty good with it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I'm not stuck to an entity. Boxing is the sport I follow. Um, once again, last year I gave the zone the fight of the or the fight of the year, the uh, the network of the year, platform of the year, going over. Shit that I've already talked about, but half the year it was showtime. But they fell off down the stretch. And they fell off like basically by July and on, whereas this year they haven't fallen off. Now, right now they only have one on the schedule officially announced, but we know that, you know, Bennett, speaking of news, Benavides Andre is a done deal. Um, and We'll see what's on that undercard. It sounds like the co-feature is, uh, you know, even more than a soft touch than I thought um, for for Mal Charlo, but I was definitely assuming a soft touch. I mean, he's been out of the ring so goddamn long that I, I did see a soft touch coming. I just didn't see um, a guy who wouldn't have fought at the weight. Uh, but if there is a fight, on that undercard, like a Figueroa Vargas, you know, sign me the fuck up for that. Um, what are they going to do with Matias' fight? You know, there are some fights that are done. There is some rumors, um, you know, that we'll get into in news and all that. But just breaking down some of that Elijah Garcia fight, I mean, you know, uh, Resendiz, you know, I did give him the second round. I thought some of those short inside shots, pivoting, head movement, it was a, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd say 
for like two minutes of that round, I gave uh, Resendez. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. Garcia closed very strong and all that, and had good moments early. But I, after that, it was slowly but surely. Garcia with the one and two, the flush right hand, very active left hooks. I mean, he was just overall activity, better shots. And I'd say the fourth round, out of all these competitive rounds for the first three, the fourth round, that's where I thought he started to establish his, the way he mixed to the head and body. He fought at range. I mean, it got to the point where it started to become target practice. It really did. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Resendez, you know, even in the seventh round, he, he rallied to make that a pretty close round, you know. But the combinations um, scored the knockdown. I think it was a double left, yeah, double hook. It was like one to the body, one to the head, uh, knocked him down. You know, to me, he just started separating himself each round, like I said. Started having even – showing a little bit of a head movement in there to be able to duck and counter back. Um, but in a short amount of time, I mean, he threw, threw eight rounds, not even a full eight rounds, uh, you know, 609, 216 to 166. Um, his J, he won the jab battle, like I said. I liked what I saw. It was a tough fight for him, but I, I didn't have a problem whatsoever with the stoppage, not even a little bit, because he's 24 years old. And I think that's smart. I don't think he needed to keep taking that punishment. And if you look at him after, he was like, uh, he didn't, he didn't make a big stink of it. Um, I did get some messages of the ROM, you know, thinking it was a draw or Lubin won. I don't know, man. I mean, he beat him on the jab. He beat him to the body. Uh, he landed like 50 more punches than, than him. He was more accurate. I, I just did I don't see... Like, take the garbage. Like, I don't think it was 9-3 to three either. Like, 117-111, I, I wouldn't give that. I wouldn't give 9-3 to three, uh, for Jesus Ramos either. Okay? 7-5, um, 8-4. 7-5 to, five, to five was fine for me. But I just, I just don't see how Lubin won that fight. I just, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I just don't see it. I, I just, I don't know where, I don't know where that, that came from. I just don't see it, especially those good scorecards. So I do think you should rematch them. And, you know, even down the stretch, like I said, you know, copy box box doesn't tell the whole story. But if we're going to say someone did something down the stretch of a fight, they got to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you look at it, I mean, you know, even those last chunk of rounds, you know, he still outlanded Lubin. So, was I? Could you look at that as a being disappointed? You know, off of what he showed. Yeah, hell yeah. Of course you could. Of course you could. But I mean, looking down the stretch, it's not like he threw a bunch of punches either. You know, I mean, his power punches in ten in the ninth. Look at this: the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. It was two, three, three, one, and five. Now, on the flip side, you had 9, 2, 8, 1, 5, you know, not great numbers either, right? And when I go to the 7th, that was 5. So, like I said, I don't want to 
live and die by copy box, you know, and, and, and I do think things like the body shots don't necessarily get counted. Um, then I got another message to say, no, Garcia didn't take as many as Charlo. I think that's nonsense. I mean, Spence threw almost 1,100 punches to He landed 345 punches to 75. I mean, come on, dude. That's so many more. Like, way more, dude. 237 to 54? He took more punishment than Charlo. And you could say, well, Charlo hits harder. Well, okay. Or or Canelo hits harder. Well, at the weight class, 147 and 168, that's not, at the time, that wasn't 100% true. And Charlo's bigger than Garcia, if we're going to go off that then. And so I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people lost money on that. Now, like I said, was he trying to win the fight? I'm not saying he was going out of his way to try to win the fight. Not what I'm saying, <laughs> right? That has nothing to do with what I'm saying. But if we're talking about punishment. We're talking about punishment, right? Um, but, yeah, I am really excited for that Benavides fight. Um, that Benavid is Andre, that style. Finally, Andre gets his step-up fight that, that he's needed for so damn long. You know, he signed with the PBC. They gave him a tune-up. From the sounds of it, he's been in, in on and off in the gym, you know, waiting for this shot, and he got it. You know, in his second fight, they gave him a tune-up, and... This is a great fight, great style matchup. Like I said, I did think that Maul was going to get a soft touch. Did I think it was going to be Jose Benavides? Maybe they're thinking, well, he was in that movie. <laughs> people will people will remember. He, he fought at heavyweight in the movie or whatever the weight was, you know. Um, I saw enough at 54. Now, is this at 68 or 60? That's what I'm wondering. Um, but either way, he wasn't above 60, correct? Has he, has he, oh no, actually, I, I could be wrong on that, but that doesn't, it's not a, when I say, no, he actually did fight at this weight or whatever, I actually do think that he fought recently above 54, now that I think about it. Let, let me check real quick, because I know he had the Danny Garcia fight. Yeah, he, he fought. A com, you know, a complete nothing, but it was at one fifth and a half. Now, like I said, is this at one sixty, or is it at one sixty eight, or what was it? You know, because he weighed in at one fifty three for the Danny Garcia. The fight before was one fifty eight. Okay, um, and it just feels like he's living off that Crawford uh, overachievement um, in some of those rounds considering he had gotten shot or whatever. I, I don't know. That's what it looks like to me. That's a soft touch, but like I said, you give me Vargas and Figueroa on that card, I'll be happy with that. You know, I don't know if the Matias fight's going to land on that card or not. Who knows? Um, so Ryan Garcia is back. Um, it sounds like it's a wrap. It's, it's, it is a done deal. He's taking on Oscar uh, Dorte, I think it is called. I think he's called. He's a he's a guy that you know he's an experienced guy. He definitely can punch. Um, 
you know, his resume's not great. Um, you know, Alex Martin is a guy that, you know, hadn't been stopped um, in, in, you know, in his losses. Perella, um, he lost to what's-his-toes. Uh, Cruz, he, didn't he lose back-to-back? They were tight fights. Um, but he got stopped. Yeah, he only got stopped by him. Right, so that that's saying something, whatever, a little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Um, and then I'd say, now this was a while ago, but the the Roger Gutierrez fight, literally, literally it was 2018. Um, you know, you can look at that as a good performance and stuff like that. He, he does have a fair amount of nondescript type guys on his on his resume. That will be. Um, the do, 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 December 2nd sounds like the Alamo Dome. So I, I, I don't have a problem with the return opponent. This dude could punch a little bit. He could punch. And so, yeah, I, I've seen some people kind of dogging it. I, I'm okay with that. I'm actually just happy to see him get back in the ring. I don't know if they've solved their issues all the way or not, but I'm just happy for that. Now, I do think Ramirez will win just because – the weight, he's fresher. Um, even in that, that Vlasov fight, you could have gave that to Vlasov. Um, I thought he looked good in that Alvarez fight. Um, he hurt Bivol. That was about it. That Jesse Hart was a good... He's just been in a lot of fights, dude. You know? Um, he's been out of the ring for well over a year now. I think it's just kind of like a known opponent. We know this dude, and, and that's that's what it is. That, that's what it seems like to me. Now, Frank Sanchez did get hurt against Scott Alexander. Uh, Moten uh, got an easy win. He was actually at okay. – Floyd really took over the mic like he tends to do um, and make it about him all, all of a sudden. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. You know, that kid, they say he's going to fight again, um, you know, maybe on the undercard of a Mayweather exhibition. And for quite some time now, these Mayweather exhibitions, I just, I haven't been interested in. I think the only one that was going to be something that actually sold, I think it did a million pay-per-views, right? Somewhere around there um, was the Logan Paul for obvious reasons. Um, But I'll say this, I don't know what it's going to be, but there is rumor that Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia would be on the undercard in separate fights. Now, I'm starting to hear some stuff about Thurman Stanonius. Now, if that's on the undercard, that's the thing about these exhibitions. I mean, Mayweather, Pacquiao, do your exhibitions. You know, you're not active fighters anymore. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. Um, but if you hook up the undercards with real fights, Danny Garcia against Lara or Thurman Stanonius, well, then all of a sudden you might have some interest because it's really easy to find people. A lot of times I'll get a message saying, hey, I bought that, I bought this pay-per-view. I mean, that's what it used to be with Mayweather and Pacquiao. I'd have parties, but some people would just, hey, I got that pay-per-view, I'm down. You know, they just, no matter what, Pacquiao, Mayweather, anything, they're going to fucking buy it. 
That's just what they're going to do, you know, even on these exhibitions. I talked to plenty of people. Hey, I got I bought that. You think he's going to, what do you think he's going to do against Logan, you know? Um, so, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just reporting what has been out there and whatnot. Now, it sounds like Theory Usyk was signed. Now, they're talking about December 23rd. There's also a January date. Um, it, it, it was announced a little while ago. Now, it doesn't, you know, it, it seems like it's legit. Um, I mean, old Frank pulled the wool over Eddie's, you know, Eddie's, uh, Eddie's, you know, face a little bit on that one because Eddie was saying how they don't even have an offer and all that, you know, meaning Fury and Usyk and all that. But it does sound like the contracts are signed for finally getting this undisputed heavyweight championship. Um, you know, whether it's December 23rd, I've heard about January as well. Um, Frank Warren saying, you know, he's delighted to finally get this fight signed. This is the biggest fight that could possibly be made in our sport. I have no doubt this will be the biggest boxing event of the century. Now, that's over the top. You know what I mean? That's over the top. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, but I'm super glad that it sounds like this fight is signed. Really, really happy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. So, you know, it is what it is. Now, breaking down this fight, I didn't really go into detail with Wood and Warrington. Um, the way Warrington in that second fight against uh, Lara, the way he led with his jab from the opening round, he was very composed. He stayed at range. He would take those little half steps to the side or, or, or straight back, or not straight back, but, you know, he'd mix in his jab to the body, to the head. He used his jab as a feint to set up the right hands, the straight right hands. Um, scored a, scored a, I think it was, a, what, the second round or third round, nice uppercut knockdown. Um, he stayed off the ropes, kept pivoting, escaping out of the pocket. Anytime Lara got close, timing him with that right hand very nicely. Um, and he is difficult to defeat at 126 anyway when he fights like that. Now, like I said, with Warrington against the same guy, he came out very aggressive. Some of it was very you know, crisp, short combos. Some of it was kind of swinging wildly. Um, he did some little duck under, throw a left hook type stuff. That started, he started getting tagged with that, though, from um, Lara. Um, landing, you know, connecting with those big left hooks, following it up with combinations. Uh, his left hook to the body or, or head, uh, Mauricio Lara, in that fight was, was pretty, pretty brutal. I think it was a left hook that knocked Warrington down. And he lost that fight, you know, clearly. And the rematch, like I said, if you got a Warrington fight, you can bet there's going to be a cut. Headbutt, rabbit punch, you know, it just it is what it is. Um, and that Lopez fight, obviously an awkward style, you know, with those 
leaping left hands, but he, he showed a good jab, showed a good, pretty good head movement, I thought, uh, by Warrington in that fight at times against Lopez. Um, but some of that outside stuff that Lopez was able to do, you know, I do think I have Lee Wood winning by a decision. I'm going to guess and I'm going to prognosticate that he will – he learned a thing or two or three, and he's not going to go fucking bunzai crazy, right? He's not. So I got him by a decision. I got Ramirez by a decision. Maybe a stoppage, but I'm going to go by a decision. Um, and then, you know, Eddie, someone sent me a video, and I have already seen this video of, uh, and it's the same person that's actually doubting me that there's a video of Eddie saying they don't have a contract. I mean, okay. But Eddie breaking down all his fights, it's October 3rd, right? So October, November, December, and I said this a little while ago, DeZone has the best fall schedule. Now, does that mean they have the best year? No. You can't have the last great, a, a great three months with a, a handful of fights where I'm really excited about. And I did like the way he broke it down. This is what he's best at, right? But that doesn't mean they caught up to Showtime, and it's not like Showtime's done either. Now, they may be done with the sport or whatever, or whatever Showtime fluxed into Paramount. I don't know how that fucking shit's going to work, but if they got Benavides and Andre, and if they have, let's say, a Thurman Stanonius, but some fights that we know are signed. Um, they had the best year, dude. It's okay. But, yeah, right now, DAZN does have the best schedule. It's not close right now. It's not close for the last three years. But here's that person just to prove a point here, okay? It's just not worth the stress for you. I mean, it looked so desperate. So desperate. Because it, they are desperate. They're totally desperate. They have no offer from Saudi Arabia, and they have no fight. So, but what, what I've learned is, you have an offer we, we, we have an offer without a contract. So we need to wait on that contract. But we're also, don't forget, Frank's never done a fight with Saudi Arabia. I've done two fights. So there you go. So he said it. It is what it is. Eddie opens up his mouth all the time. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not good. But that's why he gets the sticky. Now that the the the, the Conway um, Udafia, I'm looking forward to that fight. That's a pick 'em fight for me. That is on the undercard of Lee Wood, Josh Warrington. I did want to mention that. We don't have a ton of time left. It was pretty heavy talking uh, going on, you know, kind of breaking some of this stuff down. Um, but yeah, like I said, if we could get that Figueroa and Vargas fight. That would be great on that um, December or November 25th, Benavides, Andre. That you know that would be great. Uh, like I said, super happy they got that Usyk shit, uh, you know, across the line. It does now sound like the first quarter will be Spence and, and Crawford, so we don't have to worry about seeing it this year. Um, this is what KO Artist Sports. This is what Espinosa said. Um, you know, about the, the rumors. It's the same rumor we've been hearing since 2018. It usually, uh, it's usually guys who have a rooting interest against us who are spreading it. You all know who I'm talking about who's been spreading this. 
our response was we're just going to keep making good fights, and that's what we're doing. Now, he also went on to say we'll announce something when we have something to announce. Um, this is Talk Sport. Ben Shalom revealed Shalom, excuse me, uh, revealed that he's uh, been in talks with George Warren, Frank's son, uh, to match Joshua Boazzi with Dan Aziz, uh, winner with on October 21st, that fight's happening, with Anthony Yard. Um, he said that they agree to that first fight, potentially rematch clause would take place on Sky. So that's pretty interesting. Um, this is a pretty funny tweet. You know Canelo means business when he's got the, that herpes shit on his lips. <laughs> oh, RIP. Uh, oh, my God. I, did, I totally forgot about that. Um, <laughs> man, this is – anyway, Bob Sheridan. Sorry, I just got, I just got some messages that I'm just blown away. But, uh, yeah, RIP to Bob Sheridan. Um, I think it was like 10,000 fights or something like that. I mean, RIP to him. He called the rumble in the jungle. The dude, you know, he, the dude's been doing his shit. So RIP to him. He passed a little while ago. I definitely wanted to say that. Um, and let's see what else we got for fight news before we got a couple minutes here. I'll just kind of, what else do we have for? Oh, this was Floyd talking about on Instagram, Overtime Boxing, talking about that Moten will be fighting on his rumored exhibition card. They were talking about a working date December 9th. I don't know if that's 100% true. Now, through Matchroom Boxing, uh, this is a source, Eddie Hearn did insist, though, that he's very confident Joshua and Wilder will get made. Talks are ongoing. That fight... Uh, we must make AJ and Wilder. We must have uh, will have seen the Fury Usyk news and and gone. We need oh we that I think this is just misprinted. That fight we must make AJ and Wilder will have seen that. Oh yeah, okay. They've seen that Fury Usyk news and said, hey, we need to get ours announced. So that's what we're working on. I'm very confident. You know, we'll see. They got a different offer. They do have some other stuff. Um, you know, Dan Raphael is the one who actually uh, I saw that that actually uh, talked about um, the potential for Thurman and Garcia in different fights. Now, who are they fighting? That I don't know. You know, that I don't know. Um, Eddie Hearn also said on his matchroom thing that uh, Canelo's a superstar. I felt the fight was underwhelming in terms of buzz. Areas in the arena curtained off. I'm biased. I think if I was throwing that fight, it would have been a mega fight. I mean, take out Golovkin out of the picture, and they were doing below $10 million, you know, at the gate. So that's just kind of silly. That's just kind of silly. Uh, but, you know, of course it was going to say that, you know, that there's other people on Twitter that were freaking out. By the way, when they asked, you know, Benavides perhaps, potentially, Canelo Alvarez said, Alvarez said, I don't know, but I don't fucking care. You know, so that does have to be the fight, though, I do have to admit. By the way, isn't there a Japan card coming up, too, on Saturday with the Kamita and um, 
and it's like Lorato uh, Dominia or something like that. That card, I, I, please send me a message or send me something, a link or something. I have no clue. I haven't heard where that, if there's an outlet for that, but I would love to see that. This is Michael Coppinger, uh, Keith Conley, Berlanga's manager, and many others. He said that he met with Eddie Hearn last week in Orlando, and they're gonna just they're gonna get like a a return fight, and then next summer they're gonna fight Montia. So I don't know, man. It sounds kind of shaky. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. We'll see you next week. Peace.